I got the scars. So it's mine. Yes. What's that for? It's AJ having to watch so many college basketball games. <laughs> so this is his part, baby. He's got the scars. What Do you have one moment, AJ, that it feels like the most emblematic of the pain of it all? Like was there like a Portland State game on a Tuesday in February and you thought, what am I doing with my life? Uh, it certainly was like a Big West game or a, a game that I stayed up until like one in the morning Pacific time watching that like I, I thought, oh, this is so miserable. Then I thought, you know what? I used to stay up in central time to watch these shitty games. So maybe it's not as bad living out here to like No, it is. You uh, lost an overtime game plus six, right? That had to have been it. Thank you for reminding me of that, Fezzik. <laughs> He always reminds you of the pain. Oh, my God. All right, well, we're going to give you the – you get the benefit from AJ's pain. We just finished the show. It was strong. It was strong. We're going to do, as you probably know, this covered all the Thursday games. Then tomorrow we're taping and releasing to cover the Friday games. A lot of good stuff. But I tell you, there's only one time this is really happening. Once a year, I sell something. Now, you might think, RJ, that seems greedy. We hear you're successful. All right. It's going to be for $4 for you. $64 regularly. It's my bracket, but it's not just my bracket. $60 off you get. $4. Dream 60s. The coupon. It's, it's that simple. You go to pregame. You click. Buy picks. It's going to be prominently. I have a little pool around here. It's going to be prominently displayed. And you give the coupon code Dream60 in checkout. And you get a $64 package for 4 now, why me? History is, this is a 60-14 bracket since 85. I've got the database that I've sifted through each year religiously crafting. When do you advance a one? When don't you? Well, you advance a one whenever you want, but you don't put too many into the final four. You want to have one, maybe two. You never have three or four. There's all these rules. And then, you know what I do? I crib off of guys like AJ. I, I, I try to take advantage of his pain, too. We're in the same boat. <laughs> We're in the same boat. And I take him and other experts, Dave Esler, Fezzik's thoughts. I collaborate with all of them, integrate them all, and then I got my bracket. And history says it does extremely well. I give you two brackets, actually. One, for if you have a bunch of competition, like ESPN or whatever, high variance, more risk, and a lesser one. Risk-wise, that's more conservative. You're playing with 10 people in a bracket pool or whatever. Okay, but that's not all. AJ's given his private bracket. You get that for $4. And then I went to the, the mat, not the mattresses, and here's what we've added. You're going to get four different promo codes in your account loaded for $10 off. One for the first round, one for the second round, one for the third and fourth combined, and one for the final four weekend. $40 of discounts, one for each of the major sections, but then one at the final two, because there's not that many games, right, from the 16 on. So for $4, you're getting $40 of discounts. So even if you don't care about my – like your bracket sucks. Well, it doesn't, but okay. Last year wasn't the best, so maybe I could hear you. 
I hated uh, I hate fast. I don't like losing at all. You know that. You've had plenty of great years in your bracket. I thought you were going to say plenty getting used to losing. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't know. I've never gotten you. I mean, I've lost a lot of games. I've never gotten used to it. <laughs> Which that's when you know you've really aged as a capper when you're used to the losing and it doesn't hurt. You know, you think about it. You know how losing is so painful, and then eventually you say, yes, I'm making. You, that, I win." That first time you go to sleep and the game's still going on and you don't stay up. That's, that's like a turning that, that that hit like three years ago for me, where I was like, ah, I'll, I'll check the Hawaii score tomorrow. So th- up until three years ago, you'd stay up till the game was over. I would never go. To, I'm going to guess AJ has never never fallen asleep. I, I don't go to sleep if I've got action going. Yeah, that's not unsual. Same yeah. same with you, Scott. Right? Never. I, I used to love those being on the yeah, East Coast yeah. and getting that second half Hawaii bet in. There you go. <laughs> the bailout special. <laughs> yep. All right. So you get it all. You get two brackets from me. You get AJ's bracket. You get $40 off throughout the tournament. If you want to buy AJ's premium, Fez's premium, whatever, cherry pick it, and it's all for $4. I shouldn't have to say anymore. Dream60 is the coupon code. It will be released Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So even if you're at work Wednesday, you're going to get have time. Fez, I don't know what else to say. You're on the West Coast. You just scoot out of lunch. Exactly. Boom. The coupon is Dream60. We're going to try our best to win. I, I got to be honest with you. I've done a little Monte Carlo on this, Fez. That's all I'm going to say. A little simulation. I've been reading a book on it. It won't influence me too much, but I, I, I like it. I like it. And here, And one last thing. We don't talk about the play-ins on this. And why? Because we have a daily show. And we, I hate pods that try to like, well, the line maybe is going to be four. No, no, no. We might as well talk about contemporaneous to the games. And we have our expert, A.J. Hoffman, who actually has a daily show, SOV, straight out of Vegas AM. So t- if you haven't tuned into that, tune in. This is the time if you're going to try it. And you'll be breaking down with Scott like each game, each night, recapping yep. them, which helps you get ready for when that winner plays. Absolutely. There's been a lot of those playing winners that have gone far in the tournament. Yep. All right, boys, enjoy. This is a, It's madness, but we love it. Enjoy the show back on Wednesday. First round, first day, NCAA tournament. We call it round zero, the play-ins here. And we got the guy. You might think, Fez, who cares about... No. No. Not for the NCAA tournament. You agree, don't you, Fez? Oh, 100%. You're here. Especially with the XFL going on. Well, yeah. I mean, you're distracted. I mean, you got your, your scalps to get. Oh, this is a good story. Fez gave a pick I loved. I loved. I mean, it was his pick on the baseball. Just because the logic of it. And... It, what's the odds right now out there? So the, the the bet is, will there be any team in the baseball that loses 100 games? So it is all, there's 30 baseball teams, right? There are. We even count Toronto, right? All right is, is there... <laughs> yeah, any team in North America exactly. qualifies, yes. If all 30 have less than 100 wins, you lose. But if one of them, or, or losses, if one of them has 100 losses, you win. Just takes one. One team has to have a god-awful year. It's like getting married. It's just one person has to be <laughs> willing to say yes. Yeah. All right. Now, the odds at the time you gave it out right here were? Minus 380. That yes, there would be. A lot of VIG. I got, I got roundly criticized. By who? Oh, 
Twitter, Twitter Nation. Oh, you mean the all the all the geniuses, the professional betters on Twitter that yeah, they, they have are, jo- they, you know when you see their pictures on Instagram, they have like a Taco Bell uniform and stuff that they're you know. Which again, as a ch- as a kid, you know, if you're 18, 20, you work at Taco Bell, that's great. If you're thirty. I think that's awesome too. Meaning, hey, listen, you do. Some people don't want pressure. I mean, honestly, I know smart people have very basic jobs because they want to do their work, go home, and relax. Sure, whatever. I respect all that. But you probably aren't as good as Fez at batting if you're working at Taco Bell. You could be a better person. I think the odds are at least fifty percent, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, each least. one. I mean, I think you're being generous. To, but but to they're me. not better betters than you. I'll tell you that. So what happened then to those odds? So the odds where I bet it at Caesars, it went from minus 360, kept going up, up, up. It went up to minus 600. That's the current number at Caesars. And you were speculating that if a sharper book or a book more in line with your thinking, which you think is the same thing, is put up at odds, you thought maybe minus 500. Exactly. But it it got past that pretty quick. It just kept going. And it's like part of that, I said, well, people listen to me and some followers are still bad. That's what you figured for sure, right? Right. So I'm like, well, it's kind of getting to that point where no one's going to like, it's not going to get that much higher. So when people say like, Fez, why do you give that good stuff out? You're ruining the market for me. They they got a point in a way, If, if, if from their perspective. Yeah. But you don't really care. Well, I, I got to give value added to, the, exactly. to our customers exactly. here. I'm not. I don't have to give them like all six possible but, bets, but I try to give them two of the six over the course of the period, right? Oh, but no, like no. That, let's yeah. think about this a second. Because if people are buying your all access, mm-hmm. then you they get everything. Now, there's a bet like a pro, and and that's something you've got that I don't think anyone else in the world has, which is you get text whenever, pretty much when you make the bet, you text it. It's a thousand bucks a month. But here's the thing that makes it the great part is it guarantees a profit or your money back. Exactly. I don't win. It's not, it's not that you get a free month. Now, you get a choice of a free month or your money back, meaning you can say, let that thing roll. I want another month, and he's got to make up that money for me. And again, you have losing months, but over the course of a year, it's very rare that you and I have win. And I have to win five units a month. So get this. Just to, yeah, yeah. So if I win like 12 units the first month, all right, and you pay bet like a pro, well, now I'm up 12 units for the year, and now I start breaking even. Well, then I, I'm. I, by the third month, you're getting everything for free because I got to be up 15 units. And if I'm not, so you gotta, it's you're free. Gonna, every month you pay a thousand, you're going to get five units or more. Yes. And if not, you're going to get for your money back for the last month you didn't, for for any months you didn't get. Well, I you're guess just, so you're not there even wouldn't paying. be a money back because you, you're not paying. Just the one month you get your money back. But someone could go three months and, and you win for them again. They're back on track. Or they can say, you know something? This Fez is his hair. It's to this. It's to I'm out of here. And then they get, you actually get the refund on the last month that you didn't get, the last month you paid that you didn't get five units. So to me, one, when we did that originally, and I can't lie, it was, you know, my idea because I said, this guy is such a winner. And some of the cappers at the time, pros, no longer here by coincidence, uh, they were like so upset. They're like, well, that's going to make him look so great. We won't look as good. And say, okay, well, you can make the same offer. You know, we'll roll you into it. They're like, no, no, they're not had, you know. So it's like, mm-hmm. this is pretty much a put up your money or shut up situation with Fez. And we don't talk, I think it's the first time we mentioned Bet Like a Pro yeah. for three, four years on this pod. But it goes to show 
That's how you approach this. So you've got those guys. You've got your um, late, what would you call it, premium guys at a pregame. That's what everyone else has too. And, and let's be honest, 1000 bucks a month, there's not 100 people doing that. There's a small group sure. of dedicated batters. And then, a va- I don't know, 50 times that or 100 times that are doing the normal premium access in which you're getting everything that's widely available you put out. The only thing you don't, correct me if I'm wrong, is if it's a niche rogue line or something, well, what can you do? You, you could put it out, but they're not going to get that number. Exactly right. And so oftentimes I throw it a bone like in a write-up for a game. I'll say, oh, and you know, speaking of favorites, you know um, – Hey, I like this play. You know that, that was available only at station, or you know, just throw it out. Like there. Larry King on The Simpsons, you probably remember this, AJ. When Larry King was, uh, he had a book on tape on The Simpsons. Yeah. And at the end of it, it goes, and for those who like the NBA, I figure he would always put picks <laughs> at the end of his his uh, weekly um, USA Today article. And in this one, he was giving it on. I think it was like a religion. It was like uh, it actually was the Bible. He was reading the Bible. <laughs> And then at the end, goes, for the user, you and the NBA, Spurs are going to win, you know, like, right. So, and then, but, but I guess the thing I was saying where people think maybe you shouldn't give it out is on a pod like this. The listeners are effectively paying nothing and their time, which we appreciate. And you're giving them stuff that, let's be candid, most people selling pigs don't have as good as, as, as the stuff you're giving for free. Why you should listen. So you're saying you just, it's customer first with you. Absolutely. Screw your friends. Oh, I don't say screw. Yeah, me. yeah. They're, they're just in a, you know, in debt, there's subordinate debt. Subordinate debt means that you're, you get paid after the, uh, I don't think it's called superior debt, but the debt above, the more uh, senior debt. So let's say that you, you, you've heard of a second lien on a house or something, like a sure. second, well, there's one person in the, in the first position and then there's another lender that's in the subordinate position. Mm-hmm. You care about your friends. Yeah, they're just subordinate to the fans. I like that. You know, I'm trying to think of some of these terms, like like you, like like when in bankruptcy, I think is where it's used. I don't know you, anything about you that. get the, pri- the, the, the Some people are first in line, then second in line, then yeah, third exactly, in line. Yeah, exactly. trickle down. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, we got AJ though, and oh, so anyway, we didn't finish the story. So minus six hundred, you're thinking, oh, that's a good sign. Well, then you come in today with a big smile on your face. So found, us what. found a rogue book that had the same prop, a little priced a little bit differently. All right? a, say the name of the book. So it's it's actually at Gold Nugget in in Louisiana. Biloxi. Yes. Mississippi. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't get out much. How how do you? Physics Sports International is all over the world. That's what okay? I'm saying. When you have all of <laughs> yeah. these locations, he can't keep track of his offices. <laughs> So body Get the phone call from the, sec- the receptionist in Mississippi. It's like, we found one, Fez. We found one. So a buddy of mine says, you know, I know you're interested in this baseball, but they got an interesting thing. They got like a six-way. They got how many teams are going to lose 100 games? And they got like— Oh, so it's, it's an exact. You got to pick exact. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's going to be like like big through the roof. It's going to be no good. And then he's reading me, and he's like, oh, yeah, you can bet that there'll be you know three teams, two teams, one teams. And then he says, and you can bet 30 to 1— that there'll be zero teams that lose a hundred games, and I'm like thirty to one. That's that's plus three thousand. Uh-huh. That's not plus three hundred. That's plus three thousand. So that's about as good a scalp. Uh, I bet a minus. So no, no. Let's keep in mind now. I have two thousand of your original bet. Oh no, was it a thousand or two? I think a, a thousand only yeah. uh, to win a thousand. So what was it? Thirty eight or whatever. Uh, Thirty eight hundred. We could get that on the whiteboard. Yeah. Yeah, but remember, remember that we got that on tape. Yeah. So um, I know. 
so how much do I get? Do I get the same proportion on the on the scalp back, or how yes. does that work? Yes, All right. Now the scalp back had had micro limits. Oh. but I mean it doesn't take much when you're getting thirty to one. Now yes. how how does Fezic International is that the name? Yes. How do how and does associates. that and associates how do yeah the associates <laughs> like the mob and associate is how does that work in regard to like you know the various laws or whatever? Oh, we just share bets. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. that's I mean, so, I'm not paying anyone to do anything. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, and again, I don't. I don't even think you. I mean, let's be honest. Some would say you're not even a professional batter. Waste management consultant. But you know. I tell you what, I've already booked my trip to North Dakota to see what's up there. <laughs> Whatever state just legalized gambling in the upper Midwest. That's called the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> something. I wonder, I just had an idea, and we got a lot to do today, so I'm going to just throw it and we can think about it another time. What happens if the federal government said, we're going to have a pro, you know how you have a, you get on the planes, you can do pre-check, so they do something that's a, a deeper investigation or whatever they do and then they say this person we think the odds of that being him being a terrorist are so low here's this badge of honor not a badge of honor but a pass yeah. in a way to get past yeah, they have clear is what yeah. it's called now global entry yeah oh well, i think clear, clear is, is even private, clear, clear is, is beyond one, that right? yeah i think clear is a private company that does yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah and then i think the pre-check is something that yep. the tsa mm. does. yeah okay but yeah. with clear you just walk right through yeah yeah so yeah. there's different levels mm-hmm. of so Colin Powell probably has a clear. Exactly, exactly. Now, if he was still, I alive. think yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, <laughs> so Eisenhower has a clear. Okay, but here's my question: If they had something where you, let's say, or me, or whomever in any state in the union in which gambling's legal, sports betting. So if you're in one of those states with a prohibition still, still you wouldn't be able to. But you go, you get tested to see, is this person got you know criminal issues, whatever, whatever. And if they think you're stand-up, then they would give you a special access into any state you want to go where you just log in. It's your law, and you're able to bet in Biloxi or whatever. I, I'm not familiar with the rules, but I think that some states, some companies like DraftKings have, if you've got an account in Arizona, it's transferable to like, Another account state. is, but you got to be in that state yes. at the time to yes. bet. Yes, that's what exactly. all of them are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have yeah. geo-tracking. So yeah. in a way, it makes the uh, having an account easier. But I'm saying, wouldn't it be nice if you could, on your computer, bet in Mississippi? Of course. And, but why don't they? Because Mississippi wants that. They would want, if it's, you know, the only thing is they don't want to, they want to be able to track the betting so it's not illegal. It's not kids betting. Yeah. It's not people with gambling problems. Well, if you had this kind of pre-check for gambling... It seems like it would accomplish all that, and it would increase the handle across the country. Of course, I think they just got to look at the at the state laws. It's state by state legalization, so the problem. And is, each state has a different pull when it comes to the tax revenue that it brings but in. They so, yeah. would all want it coming in their state. Sure. More betting. Yes, yeah, but, but then I when the money I don't know goes Texas, out, but, but I don't know if Texas say, wants their their residents to be betting in exactly. Louisiana. Exactly. So if if you're in a state if you're in a state that doesn't have gambling like uh, sports betting like Texas, you can't be in this. But of the thirty states or whatever it is yeah, that legalize, yeah. they should all have a a it's whatever. Like, it's like a, private a carry. Yeah. Yeah, like, but the problem then carry. comes that when you're withdrawing the money, right? Like let's say for up to a certain amount is non taxable, but if you withdraw a certain amount in any given year, you're going to get a W two from mm-hmm. that company. Right, or or you're gonna get, yeah, you're gonna get it from that, whatever it is, yes, yeah. from that company. Um, now, if you're doing it in multiple states, mm-hmm. now it comes well, into you can tax do it in multiple states. states now by being there physically. Like, like yeah. s- someone like Crackman goes back to Jersey a lot to make bets. I mean, because yeah. he grew up in you know that mm-hmm. area. I've seen him crossing Boulder Dam many times. <laughs> <a day. laughs> 
So, so the point I'm making is that's all legal. You're yeah, in the state. Of course. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, if anything, the consolidation of the reporting to the government through that account would be even better. Mm, all right, take it, guys. Maybe someone should hire you. Take it, guys. All right, but now we got to do the NCAA tournament, and we got A.J. Hoffman. This guy's a fountain of knowledge. You know how he is where he's in the NFL? He doesn't really know. That's how I am at this, except I know about one-tenth as much about college basketball as he knows about the NFL. So just the same analogy. But somehow you did better than me this football season. I did. I had a good, so that, fo- I had a good football season. So that means I'm going to do better than you on this? You might. I hope so. All right. We're going to do it a little different. You hope I do better? I hope you win money. Here we go. Fez is sneezing. <laughs> I hope everybody at pregame has money. All right, everyone listening. And, uh, yeah, exactly. But Fez's friends, you don't care, really. Uh, if they win, you probably lose. Probably. This reminds me of like a Joe Lupo quote that he used to run the Stardust to like he was having a terrible day, and he's like, I hope everyone fucking wins today. <laughs> it's like, I hope every game lands on the number, and they and, and all the betters beat the hell out of us. Why? Because why? once he starts losing, he doesn't care? It, yeah, and, and the way AJ said it was almost begrudgingly. Like, like, yeah. Yes. Well, I hope everyone should want to win the most themselves. That's just human nature. Okay, here's what we're doing differently. We got Scott with us, Seidenberg also. I'm RJ Bell. You heard enough from Fez. AJ is going to lead the way. We're going to do the game, set up the game. Scott's going to help me. I'm going to give the opening line at the South Point, who did uh, the first opener in Nevada. And I think DraftKings was the first across the world, right? Yes. We'll we'll do the Nevada South Point and then opener and then what the current number Mm -hmm. Scott will give us. And then we're going to do the following. We're going to pick ATS on every game. All right. Today we're doing the Thursday games. That's going to be out Tuesday morning. And then for the Friday games, we're recording it tomorrow, and that will be out Wednesday morning. So you have like 48 hours plus to listen to the pod. And even for your brackets, you'll have a good bit of time, even for the second pod. Now, we're going to have leans, likes, and best bets. But we're going to have a show lean, like, and best bet on each game. So every game is going to have a pregame stamp, either lean, like, or a best bet. We're going to each of us have one best bet ourselves. How are we going to come up with the show picks, though? AJ leads the way. And then if any of us want to buck him, we can talk. Hey, AJ, consider this. Consider that. And then we all decide. And again, he'll have the final say if we can convince him. And if someone disagrees, let's say I disagree. You and I bet. All right. You know what we can do, Fez? This is what I want to do. In fact, I'm making this by fiat. This is what we're going to do. F-I-A-T. Fiat. What's those little cars? Yeah. <laughs> if we start our bets at 300 here, if I press the green button, you can automatically say, no, actually, I don't, I'm not willing to bet three on this, and then the pick becomes mine. But if you say, I'm in for three, it goes to four, it goes to five, oh, it goes okay. to six, and whoever drops off, <laughs> the other bet, yeah, yeah. I just, wow. yeah. Yeah, I like this. I like that. How, what's your confidence level? Yeah. <laughs> now, we, we, we also have to keep track for bracket purposes of who the consensus selection is, and to, we'll have, like, the podcast bracket. Yes. Now, here's the th- – hmm, see, I, that I'm not sure Too about. Too complicated. Yeah, but, well, here's why I think. Cause I, I want every favorite, RJ. <laughs> well, if you're picking the – I guess if, if you're picking the favorite ATS, you're, that means they're going to win the game. So, I think so. you can fill no, that out in the bracket. You could say there's meta strategy. Yeah, but yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. In fact, I don't see any way you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we Remember, there's all the rounds out to the first we wouldn't be addressing directly. Yes. But here's what I think. We're each going to come up 
with one ups because here's the thing most people are chalk except for this game mm-hmm, Meaning, mm-hmm. the question is who's the underdogs you like yeah so you're also right if you like the underdog well i guess if you like the underdog ats it doesn't mean you like it straight mm-hmm. up we're each gonna have for each of the brackets today oh no no let's do it like this we'll have four suspected upsets or potential we'll call them potential upsets in each of uh let's think about this what do we want to do here's the thing about the seeds versus the vegas odds to me the best bet the biggest advice i could give a newbie or some non-college basketball person and that's me when it comes to the day-to-day in 2023 but i've done a lot of bracket stuff over the years and the best advice i could give a newbie is if there's a team favored that's the worst seed that's going to be one of your great bracket picks because the odds are saying Vegas is saying the collective IQ of the universe effectively is saying this team is better, the favorite. And a big chunk of the people doing brackets, unless you're in some super sophisticated bracket, is going to be that little number beside is bigger. They don't even know what the spread is. I'll take the seven against the 10. Yeah, if you go to ESPN and look, so we got a 10 that's favored over a seven, right? Yeah, Utah State is the 10. They're minus two against Missouri. I would guarantee at ESPN come Thursday morning, it will be over, I'll say a majority, but I'd say mm-hmm. 60% plus are going to be on the better seed there. So if you can get a 50 over a 50% proposition with a majority of the people on the other side, that's exactly mm-hmm. what you're trying to do sure. with bracket. Right. So for us, I think we're going to eliminate those games. as Let's just eliminate those as games that are potential upsets because we know they're a potential upset. And then we're each going to pick one potential upset for each bracket. So, AJ, you'll have four. Fez will have four. Scott will have four. I'll have four. And then we'll collectively talk it through and come up with the show's four upsets that we expect. And that will help everyone fill out the bracket. What do you think? I love it. All right, let's get straight to it. Anything else? Any bookkeeping to do beforehand? Okay. We're going to go in rotation order. Is this the international rotation, Fez, or the Jim? Remember Jim Feist came out? You remember this in the early 90s, and he wanted to stop the rotation? Mm. He wanted to own it? And so he came up with the international rotation. Oh, is that that right? Yeah. Mm. Look it up. It kind of (laughs) died. But he tried. Feist, I heard rumors that in ninety, like in the mid nineties, he he taught he made thirty, he top line generated thirty million. Mm. That's real money. We've got on, oh, this is on True TV. This is on Thursday, and it's the first game, seven thirty-seven, seven thirty-eight, San Diego State College of Charleston, and San Diego State opened up at a five-point favorite. Yeah, currently at the South Point, San Diego State is a five-point favorite. Still at DraftKings, they are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, this game being played in Orlando. All right. AJ, first thought. I'm going to go San Diego State minus five is my lean here. Uh, the the things that worry me first. Not five-and-a-half? Not going to lie. No, it's five-and-a-half in some spot. No, I'm just joking. Oh, okay. It looks well, like we've just – oh, the op- okay, go ahead. I, 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 I'm joking with All right, all right. It's a lean anyway. I'm not betting. It's a lean. It'd be crazy. It's just a lean. A lean. <laughs> uh, the things that are keeping me off of it, one is the travel disadvantage, San Diego State having to go all the way to Orlando on Thursday. 
I think travel west to east matters more in the Thursday games than it does the Friday games. Fez, do you, you generally agree with that? Yes, especially when the earlier the start time, and although this is not the first game, it is still a noon Pacific start time. So it's 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 not exactly yeah. the night game, which would be ideal for San Diego State, given they had to travel. Here's what I would say. If the issue is the start time, I don't care how many days rest you have, mm. even if you're unless you're there to acclimate for multiple, you know, five, six days, it's not gonna help. But if it's about fatigue and the travel exacerbates fatigue, then I think you're right. Uh Thursday is much different than Friday. Uh not gonna have any fans either. They're yeah, not gonna no, travel. That, that's a general yeah, I would say that's a distance issue. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure how many uh, San Diego State's going to have regardless or Carlos or Charleston if it's not within three hours drive, right? Or maybe, you know, I don't know, five, I don't know. I, I think it's a 10-hour drive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's long enough. Right. Well, well, it's more than a 10-hour drive from San Diego State to the east. No, Charleston, so he's to, Orlando. Charleston to Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about 10 hours. Well, I don't even know where South Charleston is. South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't recognize it. <laughs> Were they part, I don't believe they, in geography they, east of the Mississippi. <laughs> were they part of the Confederates? <laughs> I'm confident they were. Yeah, I think so. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's all forgiven. It's all forgiven. That'd be interesting. If you grew up in a state that isn't really Southern, you know, because let's be honest, like Kentucky, is that That's Southern? the first one I thought of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think Kentucky, I don't even know. Were they in the Union or were they in the South? Originally, they were neutral. They were not part of either. But then what happened eventually? I don't even think they were state at the time. They, they were like, they, it was like. Well, West Virginia be split up with Virginia yeah. over the war, yeah. right? Yeah. Boy, they, Virginia got rid of the good part. <laughs> Virginia was enormous. It was like the size of Montana. Well, yeah, George Washington not, made not sure of that. Big, but, but anyway, yeah. I would say this. No fans are going to be an issue. Or fans in general won't be an issue in this. So, AJ, do you see the travel being more about fatigue or start time? More about start time to me. Okay, so I would say not a big deal. Because it's two hours later than a 1 o'clock start, right? Yeah. Uh, meaning for football that we're familiar with. And also, when there's a 4 o'clock start on the East Coast, no one worries about the West Coast teams, right? So this yeah. is one hour off of that. So I don't think it's as big of a deal. The other concern would be the Mountain West's recent performance in the tournament. The last six years, they are 1-11 straight up in the first round and the first four. So not much success out of this conference in recent history. Now, to me, what's interesting in the college conferences, especially, I think more in football, actually, because they play less high-quality out-of-conference games, is you don't know how good you really are, or we don't know how good you are, if you're playing amongst yourself. And Faz, I don't know if you remember this story. My greatness at Tecmo Bowl, the various Tecmo. Do you remember? Oh, I remember. Okay. Well, you sit back and enjoy. I, I tell this once a year, but I think it's appropriate. And again, Scott, you haven't heard this, have you? No. No. I mean, did you play with Bo Jackson all the time? Because that's just not fair. No. I think Bo Jackson came after where I was playing. Okay. That was Super Tecmo Bowl. Uh, oh, gotcha. that, that wasn't the same thing. Yeah. That was for the, the newfangled kids. No, no. <laughs> so I was very good. I can't lie. And I spent a lot. I, th I think I got uh, good at that instead of going to school at high school. You know, so maybe it was a trade-off. My GPA went down, Tecmo skills went up. Well, we have a carnival once a year. Or we had, I guess, a carnival once a year back where I grew up. And the city folk, they'd come down and enjoy. You know, walk down the street. It was two blocks from me up at the courts. They called it, or I called it. Everyone called it. But the out of towners. You know, some people called them ridge runners. Now, I, that felt pejorative to me, so I, I wasn't part of that. But they were a different breed. 
Let's just say that. I'm not I'm not saying they necessarily married their first cousins, but let's just say if it was going to happen, it was going to happen there. <laughs> and they were nice people, I guess. I didn't talk to them much. But one of them thought he was good at Tecmo Bowl. So, I, you know, me, I'm 15, 16, whatever. I go, how much are we going to bet? <laughs> and it came that we were going to bet $5, which at the time was going to buy me a lot, of, a few lemon shakes. I think the lemon shakes were four and a quarter. With inflation, that five is like 50 right now. No, no, no. <laughs> that might be seven fifty. It wasn't that long ago. So anyway, listen, you were getting me so happy. But so to make a long story a little shorter is AJ, you've heard of the mercy rule? Yeah, oh yeah. Where you gotta give up the sticks. He yeah. He actually sat his controller down after it hit whatever, twelve nothing, whatever it was, and goes, I gotta get off the hill more. <laughs> and the reality is, the reality is. He thought he was good in his group. He wasn't when he went outward. I got to get off the hill, Fez. <laughs> but, but you know what? I could have went to Pittsburgh and had that same experience. But in conference, you're playing against each other. And the only time you really see how good those conferences are, I think the best time is going to be the tournament. And we've got years. In, how many years is that sample from? Six years. Six years, it's like you're the best of you go against the best of the rest of the world or the country, and you're losing almost every game. How can't that mean something? It has to. And you might say, well, the out-of-conference schedule was pretty good early in the year, but those games are almost all early in the year. And it, wouldn't we agree that if anything the portal has done and the youth in college basketball, it's been that the evolution throughout the year – matters so much more. The change sure. from the first game to now is so much more than other sports. Agreed. Look at Duke, right? Yeah. I'm hearing serious people say Duke in the Final Four. There's people who believe that. All right. So how much does that keep you off of San Diego State? It does not. Even as a lean, though. As a lean. It does, that, I mean, that's the reason why I'm leaning. So it's keeping you off it liking is. it. It is. Although... Remember, San Diego State, like last year, they were an eight seed. So yeah. they played a nine seed, a team from another power conference in, in Creighton, and they lost. Uh -huh. This year, they're a five seed, so they're playing down to a low major team, uh, which is a situation that Mountain West schools typically aren't in. All right, so that's interesting. You're saying if you're not good in your conference, it's usually that physically you can't compete when you step outside right. of it. And that may be the case for the Mountain West in general, but it won't be against Charleston. Right. Okay, now what is the because? I know we talked about this game a little before. The San Diego State advantage, you think, is what they can stop Charleston from doing. Yeah, so Charleston in their conference is a, a great offensive rebounding team, but they're playing in a conference that is not a physical conference. The Mountain West Conference is extremely fit. It's almost like a mini Big Ten. Uh, everybody offensive rebounds. Everybody, everybody is physical. Everybody's going to foul when they need to. Everybody's going to hit you hard. It's going to be overwhelming for Charleston. And, and this is a, a San Diego State team that's battle-tested. They played a top 35 schedule in the country. Charleston schedules outside the top 300. Okay. So, so back to the physicality, though. Mm -hmm. Charleston rebounded the hell out of the ball in their conference. Yeah. And you don't – offensive rebound specifically. Yes. And you don't expect them to be able to do that against San Diego State. I do State. not. So this main advantage and, – and they shoot a lot of threes, they, but they don't make them. Yes. Yeah, they shoot at a top 10 rate. They chuck threes at a top 10 rate in the country. They make them at the 222nd clip in the country. Ooh. So it doesn't punish them in the, in the Colonial because they get a lot of those rebounds. They get a second crack at it. 
against San Diego State, you're not going to have as many second cracks at it. All right, excellent. All right, here's what I'm going to say. I can't make this more than a lean because I can't go with a conference that's so bad. But, boy, that, that main point about the handicap and the offensive rebound is so strong. I'll, I'll agree with the lean. I'm not going to fight it. I'm neutral. I don't want to be laying five. The one thing we what do we know about NCAA? How about five and a half. Yeah. The one thing we know about NCAA tournaments. Do we RJ, we want to play dogs or we want to play favorites? I gotta be honest with you. If you asked me for a long time, I'd say dogs. I'm starting to wonder about that. It, when we go through these games, you know how many short lines there are? I, you know, I, I I agree. And it's like, but part of it is there's more parity than there's ever been in college basketball. And I've, I've been hearing this for the last 10 years. Yeah. And all that happens is, what, what do the favorites cover? 46%. You know, somewhere a, right around still there. That, it's still the case. And, and it's worse in the first round because there's plenty of favorites in the later rounds that, that are, are good investments. It's hard to find. And part of this, I have a theory. It seems like the, the the crowd that doesn't have a dog in the fight, so there's no Charleston fans, there's no Aztec fans there. You know what? Who are you going to root for? You're going to root for the underdog. So you're saying the, the crowd that's there is rooting for the dog. The crowd turns on the favorite. Yes, especially if you're a Virginia fan. Who are you going to root for in this game? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to root for we got to play San Diego State or College of Charleston. The you say Virginia is that's who is twin with them. Yes, and that's the first round. game. So if Virginia wins, and I'm a Virginia fan, I'm going to root like hell for College of Charleston. And it's going to be the same ticket. Yes. Right? So these tickets are in bundles of two games, typically. Yes, yeah, sessions. First yeah. session, second session. So I, I don't want to be lining up on very many first round. I've, I, I've been to that movie but before. But you would agree these lines are, are strangely low. Oh, absolutely. You're, see, you're seeing just, like, even the one seats. Like, remember when there were 33-point favorites? I, I remember 28 to 33 was the typical one versus Exactly. 16. And now you're seeing, like, 18, 20. Crazy. Let's also be cautious. This is a 12-5 matchup. All right. And we know the history. It's the old cliche, and it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. A 12 always beats a 5. 32 of the 37 NCAA tournaments at least one 12 seed has beaten a five seed. So that is the most popular upset in by far in the NCAA tournament, 12 seeds over five seeds. Now, here's the thing. I love that. I love these kind of trends. But something that flabbergasted me that I didn't find out till recently, which shows you I'm not as engaged in the day-to-day of college basketball, is 12s used to be the last at-large teams. So they were always they were right next to the 13s and the 13s were all like forced wins from the conference yes. and then forced entry and or automatic bit and then it was the best of the remainders which tended to be pretty good and they had a chip on their shoulder because they were the last ones in or whatever you know you see that with the pigtail games that you know the playing games uh, in wrestling, they used to call those pigtails. I don't, you ever hear that? I, I've only heard it from you. Yeah, yeah. Look it up. Is uh, <laughs> Uh, to me, that those teams have a chip on their shoulder, and I think one's made the Sweet 16 now so ever since they've had them. They've had 11. It's been 11 tournaments that the first four has existed. Mm-hmm. In 10 of the 11, a team has advanced from the first four to the second round. Oh, okay. But I think even the Sweet 16. Yeah, you had two, two of them got to the Final Four. UCLA yeah. in 2021, VCU in 2011. Three others reached the Sweet 16. One note on that. Excellent. Good stuff. I believe 12s and 13s in general this season are more dangerous than usual because there weren't any real upsets in the conference tournaments for these right, so mid-majors. Explain, all right. So these are 
conferences that there's a team that's a like 30 and three, but if they don't win their conference tournament, they may not get in. Charleston's a good example. Had they lost the colonial tournament, they don't get in, even with a 31 and three record. But because they did, they're, it's the right team got in. Furman is another example, the team playing Virginia. Or the better team got in. Yes. I mean, for how competitive this yes. is. I'll give you a good example of some, a, a place where this didn't happen. Yale was projected to be a 13 seed if they won the Ivy. Princeton won the Ivy. They're a 15 seed. Now, here's the thing, though. I was hearing about that game or that matchup. Usually they say they, they slot in like the Ivy for like a whatever slot they think the best team would be. And yes. then if the other team wins, they just keep them at slot because it'd be too confusing to change it all late. But this year they said they actually did change it. Yes. That's interesting. Wow. See, I'm, I've caught up a little okay. bit. Okay. Yeah, a yeah. A bit. Pigtail. What? One final note on this game for the total, which uh, hasn't moved from the open of 141 and a half. Mm -hmm. San Diego State has played 10 straight unders. They're a top 10 defensive team in the country. I think last year. I'm sorry, I had, eight straight, 10 of 11. I think last year I had an under with them in the first round of this, and it was like one. It was 128. Yeah. I, think I, I, lost have to, that I have to tell you, 141 on a San Diego State game looks wrong. Now, <laughs> this amazing. feels correlated to me. Right? Is Charleston covers it goes over? Oh, I agree because that means their shots are falling. I I, I disagree. That's a, really? No, no, that's a good point. That means that their threes are because they what, chuck up threes. I, but Fez I, disagrees. Okay, but, and you're going to agree with my disagreement. That's what I'm listening. You, if you, I agree that the first half is massively correlated: San Diego State to the under or Charleston to the over. But the problem with the game correlation, uh, the spread is five, and five is so like, if, if they're close, they're going to be foul shooting at the end, which pushes to the. But that doesn't that help Charleston? If, if, San, if San Diego State wins, if they if I told you San Diego State covers, how much are they going to win by, Scott? All you know is San Diego State covers. Where are they going? Yeah, but, but, throw, throw me a number. Eight. Exactly. Foul fest. Massive foul fest. So we fest. like the over if we like Charles. I'm, I'm saying if San if Diego you, State covers. Uh -huh. All right. So you bet San Diego State, yeah. and, and and they're correlated with the under for thirty for for oh, thirty seven minutes. But then the yeah. final three minutes. Let's agree. But wouldn't you say that Charleston and the over are correlated for the game? No, because if Charleston covers, what's the score going to be at the end of the game? It's going to be right tight. around even. Exactly. Which and is a foul fest. No. Oh, it has no. to be. No. Listen, there's no way that we're saying it's going to be exactly one possession, so they're going to be walking it up. If it's just two possessions late, it's going to be a foul it, it fest. It doesn't matter. No, it won't be. If, I, really? if, if there's three minutes left and either team is up by three, two, one, zero, that's bad for the over. Bad. You want teams up 10, up eight. Those are great for the over. So at what point do they start to file? Foul. If they're down four, they'll wait to the final minute. All right, and and what happens if they're down eight? They'll start. They'll start half court press, full court press with three. Oh, minutes so you're to saying play. they're not intentionally fouling? Yeah, they just have to increase. They have to extend the game. So if this line were ten, and we like the dog in the over, it would make more sense to you. If the line was ten. So we're plus ten on the dog. Yes. We like the dog in over. Yes. Okay, because what you're saying is you got to correlate yes. the makes and misses based upon who you think's going to win or, or cover. And then consider where does that put you distribution-wise on the foul or not foul curve. Right. So if you want to play this correlation, you like San Diego State, I would play San Diego State to first half to under first half. That's where you don't have to worry about this foul fest like that. correlation. That makes sense because let's say it's a three-possession game late. You might get double-digit points in the final minute of the game. And in fact, if you like in the Ivy League final that we just spoke about, yeah. I think there was twenty points scored in the final fifty seconds, and the game went over by half a point. You does this generally make sense to you? What he's saying? Yeah, it does. Now the first half, you'd say if you like Charleston or if you like San Diego State, 
it'd be better, or at least part of your bet should be that team you like plus the over or under, and it'd be under for San Diego State, over for Charleston, and make it first half only. Yes, but I only like the San Diego State to under parlay, and the reason being that if there's one subset that you want to avoid like death, and I think Scott has the numbers on this, you don't want to play first half overs in the big dance Tournament. First half unders are the way to go. It's dominated since uh, you go overall first half unders in the NCAA tournament, 58.4%. From when to when? Since 2018. Since the 2017-18 tournament, first half unders, 58.4% in the round of 64. 73-52-2. Now this makes sense. Think about this. In a normal game, let's say a total is one forty. So is this right? like the Super Bowl first quarter a little bit? No, it's it it, it it's it's a nervousness. Com- it, it yes, it's it's nervousness tight early. So that is like the Super mm-hmm. Bowl first quarter, but it's also this is your last game. So these foul fests get magnified at the end of the game. At the end of the game, so there's more scoring in the final three minutes of the game, but there's less scoring in the first eight minutes, mm-hmm. which lends us to the overall total. I'd still look unders more than overs, but especially in the first, I don't want any part of a first half right. over. So I'm calling an audible. We will pick a show. Correlated parlay, the perfect under with the team, first half. We'll do one for Thursday and one for Well, I like San Diego State first half to under first half. I like that. Okay, but it's just a lean. So 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 far, that's first in the clubhouse. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lean. Any closing thoughts? Nope. All right, so officially, officially, this is going to be a lean. Lean. The call uh, to San Diego State. Um. Thus, since we lean towards the favor, this is an uh, upset potential. I don't think so. Okay. That was a good first game. All right. Next up, rotation order. Virginia favored by five in the opener over Furman. And it's at five and a half now. Money on the favorite. AJ, this is your one and only, well, Thursday, your Thursday best bet. This is my Thursday best bet. Furman plus five and a half. I think they got the best draw they could have hoped for. Furman is an elite offensive team. They rank 33rd in offensive efficiency. They shoot the ball well from outside. Because they play five out, they also get a lot of open looks inside once they draw bigs out to defend. Uh, so the whole five out is? Five out means all five of their guys on the floor can shoot. on the pr- But they're on the perimeter yeah. oftentimes. Okay. So, and what that does to defenses is it draws a, a big man who would normally stay under the basket, draws him out. But then they're, or, or it draws them onto the bench. It does. Yeah, often does. But once they come out, it leaves open cuts to the, in, like, to the inside. So Furman has the best two-point field goal percentage in the country even though that's not really what they're looking to do. It just happens to go that way. Like dunks and threes. That's it. Know? That's what that's what this team is all about. So would you? I would say from my understanding of basketball, which in the NBA is better than college, is Golden State and the famous lineup of death mm-hmm. was the first time they said, we can hurt you more by playing small than you can hurt us playing big. And thus, the three-pointers and the proficiency of that has led that to be the dominant force in the NBA to the point there's only a couple big men that really matter. And yeah. I mean, they're, they're two of the... It's funny how the MVP right now, the big debate, there's three big men, but in the league, it's all about guards. So it's like, but the three best players... Yeah, Joker, Embiid. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and and Giannis. Would yes, be, you of know. course. So, I mean, to me, you can't forget about Giannis, Faz. I just did. S- That's terrible. Uh, well, well, Guy nice anti-toko umpo. I mean, you can't forget. <laughs> and something else to consider, Virginia is without their center, Ben Vanderplas is out for this game. So that's but, but is that a disadvantage? Would he have been okay? He sounds plodding. He's six foot eight. 
like Virginia oh. doesn't play big again. They're oh. it's they they protect the rim with their defensive style. Like so how long has this guy been out? Uh, four games. All right. You know what we'll do? I think right after this game, we should do an injury report. What do you think? That sounds good. All right, continue with your pick. Okay, so because Virginia plays that pack line, they're daring Furman to shoot. Furman is going to be glad to shoot. A bad matchup for Furman would have been someone who prioritizes offensive rebounding or not letting Furman get offensive rebounds. That's not what Virginia does. They Virginia so passes. In a way, you're saying the Charleston disadvantage against San Diego State doesn't exist. Here. Exactly. Virginia is going to pass up on second chances to get back and set up their defense. They don't want to get beat in transition, so they take their shot and they move on. Great news for Furman here. Uh, they've got a senior point guard, Mike Bothwell, who doesn't make mistakes. So let's do this. Let's go around the horn, and then you can wrap up. Okay. We'll get the key. Fez, I'm convinced. I'm not bucking his best bet, and it makes a ton of sense. Anything to buck? I like it as well. No, I, I I do a whole lot of live wagering, and I've so I watch Virginia games. They stink. They're <laughs> overrated. And one game in particular, it's so leveraged where your conference record is in, so, in a lot of these conferences. So there's one game in particular, Duke beats Virginia. All right, so Duke's going to be shooting two free throws with with like point two seconds left. They make one. If the game's tied, Duke's going to win, and they just wave it off. They say, oh. No, we're going to go to overtime. The refs totally blew the call. They admitted that they blew the call. Virginia wins a phony win against Duke. Well, that win against Duke looks really, really good. You take away that win, and this Virginia team's a six seed, not when, a four when, seed. When was that game? Like three weeks ago. It was February 11th. Okay. So Duke's gotten a lot better, but you know they were playing pretty well even at that point. I mean, point, Duke, right? Duke beat Virginia by 10 uh, in the, in the ACC championship, yeah. Okay. Any thoughts on this one, Scott? Yeah, so uh, first off, there's history against Virginia and Tony Bennett. Since he took over in 2009, he's the third least profitable coach ATS in the NCAA tournament. Even he's though they have a title, right? 7-13 yep. and 13 ATS in the NCAA tournament. They also lost Tony Bennett. one seed to a 16. Yeah. So Wasn't they- that the year before they? <laughs> It was a year before. Yeah, they came back with a vengeance. And history for the 13 seeds. You know, some people would say the 13-4 is the new 12-5. At least one 13 seed has won in 26 of 37 tournaments. And in the past four years, the 13-4 matchups have had the most single-digit games of any first-round matchups. The closest matchup of all the first-round matchups. Wait a minute, the eight nines are less close? Eight only four of the sixteen eight nine games were single digit affairs. Wow, that I would not that's a bar bat for you. Uh, and I'll just say this. Twelve of the sixteen, four thirteens have been single digits. I'll just say this. I've always been a Sinatra guy, not Tony Bennett. So I'm I agree hundred <laughs> percent. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, two things that I think Fez will like for late game situations. One Virginia's extremely slow. They are 360th out of 363 in tempo. They they want to have as few possessions as possible, which is great if you're back in the underdog. The other thing is Virginia's a terrible free-throw shooting team. So when the game's close at the end, if Furman is fouling, I think they can gain ground late uh, to make up some points. So, Fez, my thought would be I hate taking like five, five and a half in basketball, especially less than five. For some reason, five and a half is a key demarcator to me. Like, especially get to six, because obviously the magic number is to get to seven because now you're three possessions late in the game. You know? So they give up with 12 seconds left. Yeah. So seven and a half is, you know, you win a lot of games there. And it is, you look at the distribution. Seven is, is the most important of them all. Yes, you're right. But all these numbers matter. Ton. Yeah, well, for sure. But what I'm saying is you always have the alternative of the money line. So would you say, let's say we end up having, uh, you know, whatever, X number of picks, 
and most of them is going to be dogs. Do you play just the spread? Do you, or in certain situations, do you look at the money line? I think in the tournament, you should probably play one-third of your bet on the money line at least because I think the inherent volatility of the tournament, teams unfamiliar with each other, is greater than during mm-hmm. the regular season where you see – it seems like so like in the so often like in the Big Ten that you'd see like teams were favored – Indiana would be favored by five, they'd win by two. You know, so, they, so the volatility matters because the theory is, all right, you have a distribution of outcomes and the money line is going to say if you're a seven-point favorite, it's going to be this far to the left because you – for you to win the game straight up. But you're saying you flatten that curve out, the normal distribution, you're going to have more outliers, and thus those extremes happen more often, thus you get paid that jumbo payout more often. Exactly, and that's why Scott's got all these stats on these 12s beating 5s and 13s beating 4s that uh, more so than they should based upon what the spreads historically have been. Furman plus 205 on the money line. Okay, now, do we do anything to move on here? Do we do, is there anything derivative bases or first halves? Does this correlate to a total? Does this, I mean, Furman in theory, uh, they would, I think it'd be Furman and over, though I don't think it's clear. I think it has to be Furman and over. But yeah. so that I'm, means I'm we don't consider I'm not playing a plus five what, going over, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what I'm saying is we're looking, Feds, we got it. You're not playing any overs. We got that part. <laughs> Best bet on Furman, plus five and a half. <laughs> Before we leave the south and go to the east but somehow stay in orlando yeah amazingly let's look at ken palms and the regions so if we look at the adjusted adjem you know about that yeah efficiency metrics okay is this is the average for the teams in each region the best region and you guys agree with this is the west plus 15.6 all right and then the second best, and I think people agree with this, is the South, 15.0. Third best, the Midwest. Fourth best, the East. So would you say, AJ, that that order, West first, South second, Midwest third, East fourth, works for you? Does that yeah, I, right? I think South and Midwest are interchangeable. Like I think you could make a good argument for Midwest. Uh, but it's clear West is the best. East is the worst. No no discussion on those. Now, it's interesting. If you look at the overall seed by like 1 to 68, mm-hmm. the best is the West. So they got more higher ranked twos, three, you know, because you could be in four different slots. So UConn is the four seed in the West. Mm-hmm. They are fourth in Ken Palm. Okay. okay. Like, <laughs> analytics love UConn, but their resume has them fourth in the in the pod but talking about the overall seed you understand what i'm yeah, saying yeah too, right? like the s curve yes that, that's a great way to say or that's how people say so in that one it's west first midwest second east third and south last some people think the south is the best yeah. right, and then finally if you look at implied odds to win so we looked at the future odds took out the vig the best is the midwest 27 percent chance to win 26 percent for the West, I'm I'm sorry, check that. Midwest is 27, West is 26, South is 24, East is 22. So in the different metrics, Fez, which one would you listen to? The average Ken Palm? 
the S curve is the least interesting to me because I don't think the tour, the, the committee's that good at you know that I'd rather them over the but I think the Vegas ones are interesting. I I, th- I think the East being twenty two percent being the worst is is that that's the most significant bottom line. What what's the probability each um, region has of winning the tournament? That's yeah. that's the best barometer. And the East is last on Kempom, last on implied wins, so implied winning percentage. Mackenzie did some quick ad hoc work on this i had an idea like an hour before we started he knocked it out so we thank him silently aj next game is well that's my job and scott's next game is here it comes here it comes lafayette we are here Uh, hold on baby tennessee lafayette and uh line opened at 13 tennessee Ten and a half, Tennessee. Ooh, big money on the dog. What do you got? Yeah, Tennessee may have gotten a little bit lucky with this draw. There were a lot of people expecting for Tennessee to lose their first round game because Tennessee's very hit or miss. And the most important thing to know about this Tennessee team is they're without Zakai Ziegler, who's their point guard. He is incredibly important to what they do on offense. You know, after this game, I think we do a, a, an interview. Okay, report. we'll do it then. We'll do it then. No, 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 I'm not saying don't do it now. I'm saying we can do it one. Yeah, but go ahead. You so say it now. Ziegler is the only true point guard that Tennessee has and him being off the floor what it does is it pushes Santiago Vescovi who's their best shooter onto the ball so now their best shooter and this is a team that doesn't have a lot of shooters this is a team that that struggles offensively anyway now their best shooter isn't able to get up, spot up, and find open shots because he's got to create because there's no one else to do it. Now, guard play is more important in the tournament than any time of the year. 100%. So if you lose a key guard. Yeah. If I remember, it was last year or the year before Villanova had this problem, right? They had some injuries. Justin Moore, yep. And that was Towards last Achilles. year? Achilles, yep. Okay. And that really threw him off. No doubt. A lot of people speculated how – oh, that was during the tournament, right? Yeah. A lot of people speculated they can do this, they can do that. They didn't do anything. No. Uh, so what was your pick in this game? Uh, it, it's Louisiana plus 10.5, but I think there's almost no chance for Tennessee to lose this game. So uh, not an upset, but this is a dog you like, but you only lean. I, I lean. Okay. Any uh, Fez, I don't know. I mean, we can maybe get through this game quicker because here's my thinking. If the line moves from 13 right down to 10.5, I'm almost frozen out. Because if I can't play that move, I can't play that bad of a number. But all you know is that eleven they took the you know the dog, so I can't lay it with the favor a half point better, right? So in a weird way, with if you respect the m- money, these games you get frozen out of after the move. I, you know, I don't think we're frozen out. I Why? think that because I think thirteen was just a, a bad number that the South Point put up because they just didn't equate enough how bad Tennessee is. What did DraftKings put up? It's ten and a half. It's the same. And as... What did they put up initially on the open? Oh, that's a great question because yeah. you know the Ziegler injury and and part of it. You know, if, if your point guard twelve guard's, and a half. Oh, that's interesting. So if your point guard's been out for for two months, you got time to adjust. They haven't had time. They've had three games without him. And anyone who's watching Tennessee, like I watched the Tennessee Auburn game. All right, and Auburn's like an eight nine seed, and Auburn's the better team. Like like when they're playing that when they're playing that game, it was at Auburn. But Tennessee, in no way, shape, or form, when you're watching this team, this team is like. They're like a seven or eight seed right now without Ziegler. They're they're, they're not going to get separation. Here's they're- the thing about the South Point. They got a lot of veteran bookmakers down there, mm-hmm. but they also don't have an ego when it comes to saying, we got to be up first with everything. Like there's certain books that mm-hmm. that's part of their brand and that's, they'll take some losses, even if they're not expert at something to keep that brand. South Point doesn't go up with everything first. So if they chose to do that here, 
That means they really trusted the and and the DraftKings draft was first. DraftKings was fourteen for seven minutes and then twelve and a half. And then what what, what was the line at DraftKings when South Point opened? So if let's see, three thirty-eight. Because to me, was... if they went over when twelve and a half was there, then that tells you they were making a statement. Yeah, we believe. You know, it was or... four, it was fourteen at DraftKings before South Point put their uh, number so up. So South Point may well have said we make a ten, but DraftKings is a fourteen, so we'll 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 make it thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the question: At fourteen, what was the win percentage on that? Because for you to think it's still about a ten and a half, it would have to be like sixty-four percent. Yeah. Do you think a number's that bad? Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. So I'm so, thinking. Speaking of the South Point, while we're on this, I made the mistake. Like I guess this is a, a Vegas rookie mm-hmm. mistake. I was on Circa chasing openers. I figured they would be the first ones to post. And I, there was some games I was getting really frustrated, and they like circa slowly leaked them out, a couple at a time. Well, I think all these books tend to do that because they'll release four at a time. Because I guess to some degree they're afraid if they feel like they're way off in general, they just want to expose themselves to, but, to the handful at a time. But, but circa was the opposite of South Point. Circa's dealing ten thousand dollar limit today. Mm-hmm. South Point's dealing a ten thousand dollar limit. Well, South Point's going to deal a ten thousand dollar limit all week long from opener. You know, the, as soon as they put these numbers up, I, my understanding is they're taking ten thousand at the window. All right, Jesus. so Circus started out with like two thousand dollar limits, and then they just and they'll be a hundred thousand by the time or fifty thousand by the time these games tip off, probably fifty thousand. Um, so Circus gets more and more confident, but in terms of you're right, the initial number they're putting up, Circus basically saying we're not too sure. Yeah, We're not but, sure yet. But I'm talking about: Do you release all the tournament games at once, or do you put out four games and wait? seven, eight minutes yeah. to see the action. I've never seen a book open the entire NCAA tournament card at once. I see them do it in chunks. And and, and exactly, it, it yeah. makes sense because they want to. It's almost like a, a beta test. They want to make sure they're just not I get, playing wrong, I guess. They at least generously opened all the Thursday games first and then did the Friday games. But... There were games I was like waiting for to pop up, and I had to keep refreshing. Well, AJ's trying to fight the circuit numbers. <laughs> there's, a thing, there's a thing called the the this this computer box. It's called the internet. I thank you, Fez. Yes, and it, like and, 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 and it shows you uh, it shows you like the odd screen like at all these different books and a classic luddite. Ooh. All right, so <laughs> that sounds like a real negative. <laughs> I got an idea. Actually, we should commit today. For a one-year endeavor for our audience in which we do the following. We tell them a week or two ahead whenever there's a huge opportunity about openers. Because right now what you're telling me is if we would have said, all right, AJ, show up here Sunday at X time. We hear we got our phone accounts ready. The numbers are being released we got so whatever the filter system through AJ's bed. Just get on a conference call. We're all on a, on a conference call. We're all, yeah. we're all in our pajamas at yeah. home. It's fine. And, but, but we're all like on, on a conference call, and the opener's coming up, and we keep communicating, talking. Oh, I see. DraftKings has their numbers up. Yeah, Bingo. because it seems like to me what we're saying is that it would have been obvious. And again, AJ, you're the type that's not going to lie about this. Some people are going to always try to look good. But if you saw – meaning you might say, no, I wouldn't have liked. But if you saw 14 on Lafayette. Oh, I would have hammered it, yeah. Well, don't go crazy hammer. I mean, it, w- it would have been one of my favorite plays. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it would have been. It seems like Fez, we had... Okay. And I, I I hated to do that. I didn't want you to yell at me, but I got 11 and a half on this game. That was you the best... You think num- it's value? The best number I could pocket. get. Yeah. Uh, in pocket. <laughs> I've never heard... No, first of all, I, I appreciate you don't have the best number on earth. Like everybody. I don't have the best number on earth. 
But Fed, don't doesn't it seem like it happens like at least once a month that we're saying, oh yeah, if we had just done it this way, it would have been easy pickings. Yeah, and and frankly, I'm doing this in the XFL. I, every Sunday night, I I if if you go to your odd screen and you see the XFL line moves. That's not who the market is betting. That's who Steve Fezzik you are is betting. You are. I am the is market talking, on Sunday is, night. Is he talking about himself in the third person? Yes. That's who Steve Fezzik is yes. betting? God darn, that's weird. All right, <laughs> Bo knows. Because <laughs> Circa is the only place that posts. But in a weird way, that's an indictment of everything else. Meaning you're smart, we're smart enough, or you're smart enough in this case to understand, hey, I understand better than the or I got better, not even about better, having better numbers in the openers. They're going to miss on some of the games. Yes. Right? That's all. They got to be right every time. And they're taking three dimes on sides, dime on totals. You know what? Three dimes perfectly worth my while to be ready to rock the second the number comes up. Thanks for letting us know your, your uh, threshold, Steve. Is, <laughs> but, but it strikes me, NCAA tournament. Uh, the Sunday look ahead, or the you know the early outlaw line, whatever you want to call it, on Sunday night for NFL. It, it, the the um, look ahead lines, the Tuesday. That's what we every year we keep talking about these. I'm this saying we value. make a commitment this, exactly, and we, we find out the, when these effing lines come up, and we like our, we've got our numbers made before they come up, so we're ready to go. Yes, or if someone happens to let's say like I don't know Seattle in the division. Yeah, think, we hammer we it. That. We, we don't we, bet it. We, we hammer. A week later, we don't say, you know, we got half that piece down. Right, AJ? It seems smart to me. Now, here's what we do. Fed's like, you're busting balls a little too much. He goes, mm-hmm. All right. I gave him so much credit. Last week. He got me that plus four in the Super Bowl. We middled it out. Oh, that was great. It was like it had – my dad used to sh- – when he shot pool, if he made it a lucky shot, he goes, it's like it had eyes. Like it knew exactly what we <laughs> <laughs> It was like Kansas City knew what we needed. Like Bill Murray and fucking Groundhog Day. <laughs> That's his second F word of the show. Yeah. You know oh, he's that? a wild man. Let's do a injury report because let's be honest. There's a couple kind of injuries that interest me. One, guys that got hurt late in the year. They're not going to be there. How much are their team affected? Because Ken Palm doesn't account for injuries. Right. All right. Number two, guys like Sasser, yep. right? and oh, that's the one college guy I know, is <laughs> they get hurt now supposedly maybe plays the first game, maybe doesn't, but he's a key. Sure. Right? And then here's the ones that really interest me. Guys that got hurt, missed a big chunk of the season, but then they came back, so they're the same team they were during the best of the season, but there's a big chunk they played without the guy, which means their power ratings are going to be a little de- deflated. Because they played a bunch of games weaker than they are now. Yep. You feel like you got a good feel of these? I, I have a good feel of them. All right, let's go into that. And you know what? I'm going to take a little break and get a little uh, uh, snack. You want me to handle this then? Yeah, you take care right. of it. So let's talk some of the injuries of note for teams that are playing on Thursday. And I... I I went through and I calculated these. I was like, you got to be kind of a top guy. Like, you're, if you're a, a bench guy or whatever, I'm not even paying attention. Like, I, I, these are guys who I think are worth at least a point to the spread. So, I, I, there's six of them that I found. And then we want to look at some teams that maybe their overall metrics have been affected by a, a time where they were missing a player for a, a run. And we'll, we'll, go through a couple of those as well. I picked out a couple of those from for the Thursday games as well. But it feels like the the games going on Thursday, Houston, Marcus Sasser, we all know, uh, he's questionable. And from what I understood, 
he could have played against Memphis, they were being precautionary. That makes sense to me. It also makes sense to me that he wouldn't play in in this game. Like, why why do you need him against Northern Kentucky? Uh, Marcus Sasser is one of the I don't know five or eight best players in the country. Uh, are you gonna if he's if he's not a hundred percent? Are you gonna run him out there against a Northern Kentucky team that you're probably gonna smash anyway? I don't know, uh, but that's a consideration they have to make. Again, questionable. They're zero and one this season without him. Obviously, that loss being to Memphis. If he doesn't play, does this spread go down, or do we consider taking the underdog? Uh, I. I'm not considering taking the underdog under any circumstance, to be honest. 19 and a half? You're going to lay it? Yeah. Houston is – this. so, and again, we'll get into this, or, or I don't know how, what order we're putting this in, but we'll get into this at, uh, when, I, when we talk about this game in depth. But Northern Kentucky is a zone team. They do not prioritize rebounding, and all Houston does is gather up their own misses. So I think Houston gets probably 40 to 45% of their own misses. Like that's, I'm not kidding about that number. Uh, and they basically get to pick their number in this game, I think, with or without Sasser. So if Sasser is ruled out, though, do you think the spread, oh, I goes, think the, I think the goes, spread goes down? Of course. And then is there an opportunity then to take Houston? Maybe at 17 and a half. I'm sure there is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, but I do think it'll be like sort of a game time decision. I think they'll get out there, they'll see him warm up, and they'll say, hey, how you feeling? How many points is Mr. Sasser worth? Three and a half. Mm-hmm. And and you would say it's split the difference that this line's like a point and a half short already? Adjusted. Yeah. 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 Halfway. Um, all right. Next, let's talk about Kansas. They have Kevin McCuller questionable. They are one and one without him. Uh, the one loss was a 20-point blowout loss in the Big 12 championship. Sorry to be like the, the, the square ball on all this. Can you, um, the, for people who are just coming out on the pod and haven't watched a game all year long, can you explain who these, these players are and why they're so important? Uh, so Kevin McCuller is a wing, a senior wing for Kansas. He transferred from Texas Tech. He was Texas Tech's best player uh, when, they were, when, when they were in the, uh, the Chris Beard era. Um, and just beating people. Yeah. I mean, this is a, he's a, <laughs> that, that was not a, not a nice, not a good joke. No, not a good joke. <laughs> he's a, a physical dude though. A guy who, who makes a difference as at the, uh, at the two or the three, depending on where they play him. Kansas usually plays him at the, uh, the two. Uh, so he matters, but again, does he matter in a game against Howard that they're probably going to win by a million points? I don't know. He's certainly not as val. He's he's probably the third most valuable player on Kansas, as opposed to uh, Sasser, who's the most valuable player on Houston. Uh, I think McCullers worth a point, but and he his situation was back spasms. Like it's can he play? Probably. Did they want him to play against Texas? They decided not to. Uh, would I imagine he's going to miss tournament games because of this? I would say probably not. So, uh, I, but again, one and one without him so far. Tennessee is without Zakai Ziegler. He is their point guard. He is done for the season. He will not be there. And I think he's important. They're one and two without him. They're most the reason why he's important is he's the only real point guard that they have. And. When he's not on the floor, it takes Santiago uh, Vescovi or Vescovi off. It puts him on the ball, and he's their best shooter. This is a team that already kind of stinks on offense. Tennessee, 
and now they've had to make this adjustment without Ziegler. Uh, I think he matters quite a bit. He probably matters more than anybody on that team could have mattered. So I do think that was a key injury for Tennessee. But I also think that it's kind of baked into the line already. Like you see Tennessee, like the market is down on Tennessee because of this injury. Like they, they know that the offense was a struggle already. Uh, they saw him in, in the SEC play not look good without him. So I, I don't think there's any uh, shocking development here. UCLA. But going back to Tennessee, you're not worried about them potentially getting upset by Louisiana, are you, with this injury? Uh, I mean, if they do, it's not because of an injury. It's because their offense stinks, and it tends to show up sometimes and not show up at all sometimes. Uh, Always got to worry. Yeah, I think there's some concern, but I, I think I think Tennessee wins, but I, I think Louisiana covers. Otherwise, we could just lay the minus 600 and not. It'd mm-hmm. be real easy, wouldn't it, Fez? It'd be It'd that be real easy. easy. Sometimes it is that, that real easy. Yeah. Uh, UCLA, Jalen Clark is out, tore his Achilles right before the Pac-12 tournament. They went 3-1 and one without him. Here's the thing about Jalen Clark. Uh, when you go to KenPalm.com, Ken Pomeroy's website, you will see that UCLA is number one in defensive efficiency, and that would tell you they are the best defensive team in the country. And I would say, without Jalen Clark, that is a lie. Uh, they are not the best defensive team in the country without him. He is their best defensive player. He is the guy who takes their best defensive guy. He it, it leads the team in steals. Uh, he is second in rebounding. He is third in scoring. He is a very valuable piece. Another one of these guys worth at, at least two, two and a half points to the line. Uh, and But again, I think the market has soured some on UCLA because they they knew that he was out. They, and they played, listen, they went four and one without him. Uh, they they played well in, in the Pac-12 tournament without him. Or three, they had three two, and one without him, I apologize. They had two, I'm sorry to interrupt. They had two guys down. For their game against Arizona, correct? Yeah, the uh, their freshman big was out. He is again questionable, but it looks like he is going to play. I, I don't believe he's going to sit out. Uh, he, he is, I would say, less important. But again, I in the, in the UNC Asheville match, I don't think he matters. So Zona closed minus one in the Pac-12 championship against UCLA, is it fair to say with the freshman big back that Zona and UCLA equal? Yeah, a pick. Okay. I, th- I think that's fair. Uh, but remember, Arizona's got injuries as well, and we'll we'll skip to that now. Both of their guys seem like they are going to play. Kirk Creesa was shooting free throw. their guard. Uh, he was shooting free throws left-handed in the Pac-12 tournament because his shoulder is messed up, but he's still out there playing, says he has no plans not to play. Uh, and Balo, who is their seven-footer, has a broken hand, and he was out there playing with a broken hand. So playing against UCLA with a broken hand. He See, looks awkward even without the broken hand. He's not exactly the smoothest guy in the world, but he's he matters. He's a good goalie, though. He is a good goalie. Uh, let's look at Texas, who has one key guy questionable, Timmy Allen, although they are playing incredible ball without him. They are 3-0 and without him. Uh I think he could have played, he, much like McCuller, he could have played in the Big 12 championship if they needed him. Uh, they decided to hold him out precautionary, so I, I don't worry about it much. He's probably worth a point to Texas. And Virginia is without Ben Vanderplas, who is their big. Uh, he is done for the year. They were 1-2 and two without him. Uh, he matters, but doesn't matter nearly as much as the other guys we've talked about. He's not as, like He's probably their third or fourth best player. Um, so I, I don't think that he's like a, a game-changing guy, 
but he is an important guy for them. Uh, the guys who have missed time this season, so you could maybe make a case their metrics should be adjusted some. Uh, Duke was without Derek Whitehead. He missed eight regular season games. He's their super freshman. Um, they went five and three without him. That was in a time when Duke wasn't wasn't thought of as highly as they are now. So maybe you can say, okay, well, that was a, a run where they go five and three. They weren't playing as well because they were without him. So maybe Duke gets upgraded a little bit, having him at full health. And Boise State was without Marcus Shaver, who is by far their best player. Uh, he missed four regular season games in the non-conference. They were three and one without him. Um, I, I think Boise is looked at properly, though. I, I think most people have kind of forgotten that he was even out at all. Uh, because he missed games that were against teams that he didn't matter much. So, but he is their he's their best player. So, if, if maybe their metrics look a little bit better if he doesn't miss those four games, uh, and he he matters quite a bit. But uh, he's fully healthy, ready to go here against Northwestern. And so, I'm looking of uh, the top t- uh, top twelve teams. Bottom line is, um, if all these guys are banged up, Alabama. And Purdue stinks, obviously. So Alabama has to win the national championship, and perhaps Gonzaga, Connecticut, or Duke could get there as well. We're done. Uh, in the top twelve, that's it. <laughs> that's all you got. Uh, I'll, I'll disagree with you on that, but I guess that's what uh, that's what makes this pod fun, Fez. Beautiful, good stuff. I'm back. You see, I didn't want to get in the way for Thank the injury you. stuff. Next game, Duke Oral Roberts. Duke opened up favored by six, six and a half. I'm going to take Oral Roberts plus six and a half. It's a like for me. All right, like you like yeah, Oral. I, I'm I do. I love it. Uh, <laughs> excited to see them. I I think maybe Oral Roberts is the best 12 seed that I can remember. Uh, they've won 17 straight games. They've lost once since Thanksgiving. This is a top 25 offense that can shoot from outside, which is huge against a Duke team that has an elite rim protector and Derek Lively. They don't turn it over at all. They're number one in uh, turnovers allowed on offense. And they're comfortable playing in the half court if they have to as well. They've got an elite backcourt led by Max Aismas. They've got an elite rim protector inside score in their seven seven foot five. Fez, ooh, big boy, <laughs> Arkansas transfer Con- Connor Vanover. Duke has a solid seven footer as well in Filipowski. He's playing great right now. He's put up over twenty in three of the right, four so games in the ACC tourney. Let's try to get this. I want to understand this. Okay, let's hear. So it. you like Oral Roberts? I mean, you like Oral is what you said. I do. And I'd say, well, the real question is, did he like it? But you know, that's something we'll else. We'll find out. <laughs> but, but. I only like Oral at plus six and a half or better, bigger. Oh, that was actually clever. <laughs> Is, but here's the question. I don't, I don't, I'm not following why you like them. You, you're telling me they're generally a good team, right? Well, like, so what are you saying? Is Duke overrated? Duke's Is, absolutely overrated. Okay. Yeah, it, it, because Duke, the fifth seed was them being underseeded. Most people thought they should have been a four. I, I don't understand why. I, like this but you was know a, that's consensus, right? I do. Okay. But a month ago, it was consensus that Duke was a bubble team, mm-hmm. and they beat a bunch of bad teams down the stretch in a weak ACC, and suddenly it was like, this is a wildly so underseeded. There's no team. teams in the ACC any good? No. Okay, so Virginia, who we just talked about, how it flawed they are, was the two seed in the ACC tournament. Miami is the one seat was the one seat in the ACC tournament. North Carolina was terrible. Okay, uh, like it's just it's. So this is the fate of Duke. Yes. All right, then, but that's what we need to hear because I well, I'm hearing. It. Well, this is also a play on Oral Roberts. This All is right, a, but let's, so that's both. So the fate of Duke is simply they're overrated. Now the counterpoint would be, 
they've trendlined really well. That they had one of the top. I mean, what were they entering the year preseason? Uh, top five, right? yeah, three or four. Right. And they started really bad. Yep. And we've seen that with Kentucky when they brought a lot of freshmen in or whatever, right? So then they got better and better and better. We saw Kentucky as an eight seed. They made the finals, right? If I yep. remember what. So it feels like it's in line. No, and Duke got healthier. Okay. As well. So you know, nine that. game winning streak. Uh, they've Against covered. Nobody's. They've covered in six of those nine. Now let me ask you this: This tournament committee seems to be anti-blue blood, or seem to be anti-blue blood more than anything I've ever seen. Duke, they say some say they should, he should have been a consensus. It should have been a four. Kansas consensus is should have been number, number one two overall. Yeah, overall to stay in the Midwest. Yep. Right. North Carolina potentially could have made it. You know, uh, let's just say the way they had it ranked the first four out, they, from what I'm hearing, they were lower than people thought, yeah. even though they weren't as close as you might even think. So, boy, it seems like in general, Gonzaga maybe could have been, they said, a little higher, right? They were, what, a five? They're a three. A three, and they could, could they have been a two? Not really. Not probably not. Oh, I don't. All right. But either way, what you say doesn't seem like the Blue Bloods are getting the benefit of the. No, no, they don't. Well, they did a little phony thing here. Mm -hmm. So they knew Tennessee should be like a six or a seven with the Zegor injury. So they slated Tennessee in the four and Duke the five. It works out the same. They could have made Duke the four and Tennessee the five, and it wouldn't have been any different. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's the same difference as four to five always. They is right. You're going to play twelve versus you're going to play thirteen. Which well, they, but, but they gave Duke a cupcake four for next round, relatively speaking. Maybe. I mean, I guess I don't. I don't know if they're that sophisticated. Maybe they are because it, it does strike me. This is the old uh, Allen Boston idea: is if they have two good mid majors, they tend to want them to play each other. So one of them has to be eliminated. Memphis, Florida, Atlantic, and then send the winner to their death against the number one. Yeah, exactly. And eight, nine. I mean, it, but it does seem like that's weird. That on one hand they're anti blue blood. At least it seems. Maybe it's a big camouflage. You're saying. But boy, that I think Kansas's ability to win the tournament is really affected by going to the West instead of the Midwest. Oh, I do too. I don't know that that was totally biased against Blue Bloods. I think that was committee laziness, and we've talked about it before. The committee basically shuts down shop after Saturday. Yeah, but Kansas lost the last game, which means that had but to be the thing. That they swung th they didn't they know Houston, Houston was, was going to lose the last if game. If Houston uh, won, they would have been worthy, and it was too late. They would only have an hour to rejigger re everything. But, but that does seem like a Houston, like a non-blue blood advantage. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. All right, so on this one, you're anti-Duke. Though the counterpoint would be, you're saying even though they're trending up, they've they're still not where people think they. They're are. not what Duke normally is. And why is Oral Roberts better than people think? Oral Roberts has one of the best, not just one of the best mid-major players. They have one of the best players in the country in Max Aismas, and they've got a core of guys and a coach who have been there and done this before. And this is two years ago. This team went to the Sweet 16 and was three three five seconds away from being in the in the elite eight against Arkansas so experienced and they've got that horse that if it's the games on the line yes. that the the Jordan guy to go to. yep and they got a, a big man transfer in from a down transfer from Arkansas like teams like this don't get seven foot guys who can actually seven foot five guys who can actually play and that's what they've got in Connor Vanover, who's going to be a good matchup for Duke's best player, Kyle Filipowski. I don't know. That's interesting. I like the dog. It's just there's something about Duke. I've I've listened to a bunch of pods trying to get, you know, ready to have some info on this. And it seems like Duke's in the final four and, and like and these are sharp pods. Mm -hmm. Not all gambling pods, you know, but people like and uh CBS does some uh what's it called? The uh 
uh, Fuel to 68. Mm-hmm. An, I listen to a couple of those. Fez, what's your instinct on this game? My instincts are there's there's four games that I've identified. What's unique about the NCAA tournament? It's the that and the Super Bowl is a time where the public can have more of an impact on the spreads than the wise guys. Mm-hmm. And and so I've identified four games in particular that this could happen here on Thursday. This is one of them. So Tennessee, Duke, these are all favorites, Houston, and UCLA have things in common. They're public the, the public's gonna like betting these teams. And the games are at night. They're Thursday night. Well, guess what happens? The public gets rolling on Thursday. Mm. They're coming into town. They start really betting more and more and more as the day goes by. And so by Thursday night, they're the and the books they're loaded up. The books get loaded up, and there's a lot of money line parlays and just parlays in general on the favorites. So if, if the favorites are covering, the books are suddenly looking at this and they're like, oh my God, if Duke, if Duke and Tennessee both yeah, win yeah. and cover, I could get pounded. AJ is happy. RJ was six and a half. He just said that right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. I don't. I it's nothing. Six and a half is a fine number. It's going to go higher. But seven, uh, you know, bigger is better. Mm-hmm. RJ That's and big seven, boy. seven yeah. would be a lot better than six right. and a half, especially for Oral. Let me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> bigger is better for Oral. Yeah. Now, <laughs> keep We keep pushing it. What you said, the main takeaway I had that was fresh, is the night game more than the day game uh, because it's just the the accessibilities. People working, whatever, they get home, or the bankroll is growing in theory. Degenerate gamblers don't get up at 9 a.m. to make huge bets. Oh, two days a year, maybe. <laughs> but um, I would say the following. If I could bet any time, I'd want to bet the openers. But if you miss the first moves, you know, the first hour or two where the bad numbers are shaped up, shaped up I would want to bet late if I like the dog, meaning I'd rather bet early, but if it's either Monday or Tuesday morning or Thursday right before the game, if I'm on the dog, I'm going Thursday before the game. Yes. I mean, because I, I, ideally I want to bet the second half, second half on the dog at 9 p.m. Now all the pros have, eh, all yeah. the pros have gone, you know what, they're exhausted. They've been working all day. They're all gone. There's nothing to keep so, the numbers in So line. the pros are too tired, but our listeners should be ready to pound at that point. Exactly. <laughs> because think about it. If you, if you ask a whole bunch of pros, they're like, ah, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to cut out and, and go to the party over at the M or whatever. I, I don't want to like just work nonstop all well, four days. Well, that applies to our listeners too, doesn't it? Well, all you got to do is go into an app and, you know, and but that's the same party. thing with the pros. Yeah, well, uh, but, you know. Yeah, but I guess what we're saying is the opening numbers are weaker by definition. Yes. But I, I don't see a lot of big moves between now from the pros between now and tip off, which means it's going to be public having even more set. Yes. In night games, especially, and big name teams. Like whoever the public might pick between. Um, let's say I'm just going to pick a random game. Providence and Kansas. Is that Providence and Kentucky? Yeah. Well, that wouldn't be the case. So it'd be Kansas State, Montana State. I don't think they're going to have a big opinion. The public typically probably not. But they are going to have on the number one seed Houston, who's a big favorite. Though I'm hearing of all the the big favorites, the sharps like Houston the most. Mm. So. I, I, but, you, but Houston and UCLA are going to be very popular. So if you do public. like Houston, you want to bet that now, not wait. If you like the favor, that's right. But you don't bet favorites in that. You were making a face like, yeah, I guess. I bet sometimes I bet them on the money line just to win because they're 156 and one straight up. Well, yeah, Scott, <laughs> you got anything on this one? So uh, Evan Miyakawa is a guy who does college basketball analytics, kind of like the Ken Palms and mm-hmm. the Bart Tarvics, and he has an interesting stat called kill shots. And what those are are 10-0 runs over the course of a game. 
And if you look at every team in college basketball, Oral Roberts is the number one team in the country in kill shots per game, 1.13. They go on more 10-0 runs in their games than any team in the country. What is the significance of that, you think? You win games. If you have 10-0, yeah. You go up 10-0 runs. But when you're 30 and 4, you've won a lot of games. That's, so, well, that I mean, shows. <laughs> but do, do, do they set up the press after a, ba- a made basket, by example? I don't watch they, Oral yeah. Roberts play. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no. I guess what I'm saying is I like under – and again, I've heard that that dude's info being mm-hmm. passed around now, so it's talked about, so I'm not questioning it. But I, at the time, thought the first time I heard about it, like, what's this showing? Because underlying stats should tell you something the score doesn't. Like, it makes sense. Some of the, the top teams in the nation that go on these runs of 10 0, you know, Gonzaga, UCLA, Houston, Oral Roberts, Iona. Like, so now you look at these teams. Oh, I, Iona, interesting. Oral Roberts, interesting. Furman, interesting. It seems like every Iona game against a bad opponent, they go on a 14 and 0 run midway through the second half. And I think the teams that do that, it, they typically have the same makeup. They're either elite at like protecting the ball. They don't turn it over because you can't you can't give away possessions mm. and have that happen. Mm. Or they are elite at taking the ball away. So, like, one of those two things, and Oral Roberts, number one turnover percentage in the country. Like, they, they just, every was, possession counts for them. I was hearing Gottlieb on a pod. It was hilarious. He was, wasn't was the host, and he was, like, mad he wasn't talking enough, so he just started interrupting people. <laughs> then at one point, he kept trying to interrupt, and they, they wouldn't let him. And then when they finally got to him, he was, like, eating a sandwich, apparently. So he's, like, chewing, which, again, I can't, you know, act like I've never done that. But I wasn't on <laughs> someone else, you know. And it, so he goes, all right. He goes, the thing is, and then he, then he, I don't know if it was like a, like a very passive aggressive. He took a big bite of a sandwich when he couldn't talk. And then when it was, but it was very, uh, check it out. We saw Gottlieb at the WCC tournament. Oh yeah. What do you have to say? No, we didn't. He was calling the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was working. Um, (laughs) Last question on this game. The whole thing is when you have a smaller conference, it's a can they apply the approach to the game that they won with in the smaller conference? How, how would you say that is against Duke in this case? Well, and, and that's why I trust this team more than the average low major team because I've seen them do this with a less talented team. I saw them beat Ohio State in the first round, beat Florida in the second round, nearly beat Arkansas in the third round two years ago, led by this Max Acemas. They've surrounded him with better talent now. I know that his game plays up against major. But the line, if I remember that Ohio State game was like ten and a half. Yeah. Right, and this is six. Well, that Oral Roberts team was an eighteen and eleven team. This is a much better team. Yeah, but if the but what I'm saying is if if I guess if you can compete, you can get. I mean, it feels like a binary. You can either do your thing or you can't. And you're saying that they could do it even when they were lesser teams. Yes. All right. So this is a like. All right. I mean, Duke's you know, du- you know, Duke's gonna have the oh, arena. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, Duke's gonna have the arena. Yeah. You know, because the, yeah. the, the they'll, Orlando. They'll, yeah, they'll have the crowd. I mean, they're, they're, they'll have the crowd anywhere they go. So but, it's the, yeah. uh, Tennessee and Louisiana. What is that? Louisiana what? Uh, Louisiana Lafayette. It's uh, it used to be called ULL. It's just called University of Louisiana now. It's weird how they have it. You think they would do a slight different color on each of these because you get. I, I guess you should know it's a twelve five and everything, but a six eleven never resonated with me for some reason. But I guess it's five and twelve. Let me think. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So this will be a potential upset for us. I think so. Yes. All right. So right now we've got Furman as uh, almost certain 
one of our upset picks, and then Oral Roberts is a perspective upset pick. Next game. Now we're moving to Legacy Arena in Alabama. And we got Alabama, the number one seed, and they play a play-in. We're not going to spend a bunch of time. Tell us uh, who's the play-in participant. Uh, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and um, Southeast Southeast Missouri Missouri. State. Okay. Is there anything about any of those matchups that mean anything? Meaning, like, hey, if this team wins, look out for this kind of Both these teams want to run. They're they're both willing to play. So I'm not interested in how they play against each other. No, that's what I'm saying. So – Alabama loves to run. So these teams with lesser talent saying, hey, Alabama, let's run, is a terrible idea. Alabama should roll whoever they play in the So this is back when it's strength on strength, whoever's strong. Whoever's got better players. Yeah. Um, I personally, now remember, I'm doing my bracket that is based on history. A lot of um, success. Last year wasn't the best. AJ, you're going to include your bracket in our little bracket deal. I want to make a little bet with you. Okay. My bracket against your bracket. I just, we'll think about it and decide. It'll be like a a suspense thing, but I want to make a real bet. Okay. Because I want you to be extra motivated. But I don't like that because you get to take my bracket into account when you make your bracket. So you think, but I I, I could listen to this show and get the same effect. Uh, You can get the same effect from the first round games. Yeah. So you, so this is, you know, known me for what, almost 10 years? Mm Mm-hmm. You, you envision I'm going to say, okay, I got my way of doing it. Now I'm just going to look at AJ's and copy him. I'm not saying you would copy me, but I'm oh. saying game, like game theory. Oh, geez, you're talking game theory? Go ahead. Oh, you think, I, you think I'm uh, making a bet against a Dumbo? You think I think that? No, but, but so you're saying only a Dumbo wouldn't copy your picks. No, I'm not saying copy my picks. I'm saying you're, you would use whatever advantage you could find well, to win cons- the bet. I would consider your picks. I've known you for a long time, and I know that you love to find an edge. Uh-huh. Fez, what do you think of this? Because it seems like what he's saying by, I guess here's the deal. I would agree that I have to vary from yours by at least four games or something. Because if, if I really was just trying to win, remember, this is going to be bought by, like the, I mean, literally, we sell thousands of these. for the Because effectively, with the coupon we gave at the beginning of the show, you get uh, $60 off, so it's $4. We sell a lot. I would not hurt my audience by of course not but if what i would or our audience but what i would do if i didn't care about any of that is look at your games and pick one game that i thought you were wrong on and my bracket would be the same as yours except for one game yeah i'll commit that there'll be at least uh seven different slots that are (laughs) you know what do you think i don't think it's a good idea and here's why so Fez is always trying to quash my action. Why well, is that? I don't because I hate your action. I feel it because and we, <laughs> I mean and that's crazy. Our, and RJ's well aware of this. It's know, like if it, I'm filling out my bracket. All right, what's my ideal bracket? What well, depends how many people I'm playing against. That's true. Well, I'm and actually so two brackets. Right, and so most of the time you're saying, okay, I'm gonna you can have one bracket where you're like playing against thousands of people, mm-hmm. and another one probably you're playing office pool like against maybe seventy, yeah. like like or, or more likely twelve or fifteen. Exactly. So obviously you can pick more favorites if you're competing against fifteen people than if you're competing mm-hmm. against seven hundred. So they, it really all depends how how accurate are you in your bracket. Well, you don't want to be accurate; you want to win. And if you're going to beat eight hundred people, well, now you can take a four seed to go ahead and win the tournament. You can't do that if there's only ten people you're competing against. I agree. So, but how does that in any way affect he and I making a because, bet? because my bracket wanted, is not good in a heads up because if I, yeah exactly because if I wanted because I take tons of favorites if I was playing AJ and I'd win two out of three times. Okay, so 
this first of all, Fez is making a very important point here. The number of people that you are competing against in your bracket should dictate your number, your variance, your uh, amount of underdogs you play, the amount of chalk you play. More chalk. If there's less people, you've got to beat more chalk. If I was playing against, uh, against one person and it was a big money thing and I was only concerned about that, I would play every Vegas favorite, right? And... You'll win more often than not. Yeah, because in the, unless the unless Vegas is wrong, they will have an edge in each of those yeah, games. You might take a one and a half point dog, but you're never going to take. No, a four why would point I? Game. Unless I yeah. unless I had a strong enough opinion, I thought that line should be the other team. Exactly, fight, which is going to be rare, right? Yes. So, well, why don't we? Th- we'll think about it. I mean, I, I would think in your sport you'd be ready for this. That that's what throws me off. Like, How about this? How about oh. we both enter our pool, our bracket in a pool? Well, well. That would make a ton of sense, right? Is the idea, yeah, like in an ESPN pool? Yeah. No, it's it's still the same problem because you if you took all favorites, you couldn't win the pool, but you're still gonna finish like top twenty. I think your mic went off real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. No, Fez is right. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. I'm cost. I just cost RJ five hundred. No, I I don't know what you cost me. Maybe I just like competition. Yeah, yeah. I just like. Fez only cares about winning. That's the thing about him. I guess it's, I wouldn't want to live with him, but I guess if I'm going to bet with someone, I want it to be him. <sighs> but anyway, I think Alabama is maybe my favorite to win it all. I do. And you, I think you, you, like, the fact they're, you like the fact that they're playing in Birmingham the first two games. I'll say That's this. not a bad thing, right? Nobody in, the, nobody in their conference tournaments looked better than Alabama did in the SEC. Like, all the talk was Alabama coming into the SEC tournament, like, Something's wrong with this well, team. Because they, they had three – there was four straight games they didn't cover, right? right? And one – they lost the last yep. one of the four. And then they went into kill mode and just destroyed Which the SEC I think tournament. It, it's like if this were a movie, they had their challenge. They mm-hmm. were, And, again, I don't know the legal side of any of this, but, you know, it seems like this guy's not going to get charged. Nope. <sighs> shooting very well. What now? They're shooting well? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Oh. I don't even know if he meant that as a joke. All right, so Alabama – We'll play the winner of that. And you see that it being a problem for either because of the pace. Yeah. Next game. This stays in Birmingham. Birmingham, Maryland, West Virginia. Now, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, oh, my God, how do you pick this one? It's Huggy Bear. I don't know. The committee hates Huggy Bear, so they sent him to his death in the second game against Alabama. Well, in, in, in Alabama. He's the very favorite in year. the first game. They do this every year. Now, let me ask you this, AJ. It's my belief that quirky offenses or defenses are better in the tournament because if you're in conference and you play, it's like playing Lamar. Steelers do better against Lamar than a team from the NFC because they don't see him and he's an unusual player. If you have like Huggins with the pressing, uh, back Temple when they had the the match or the matchup zone of Syracuse. When the Princeton offense first came into four. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I also believe... If you play a quirky team, you have a disadvantage if it's the second game of the weekend. So because you've got tape on them, you, like no, you, you've seen I think them it's play. More prep time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, it, like you only have you know two day, less than a forty eight hour turnaround yeah. oftentimes, where you have five days otherwise to really get ready. That makes sense. All right. So I don't know how that's going to affect things, but West Virginia opened up as the nine seed here, the favorite one and a half initially. Two and a half at the South Point. Two at DraftKings. Yeah, I like West Virginia here. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this Maryland team is limping in. They've gone three and four in their last seven. Two of those wins 
came against Minnesota, who is the free square of the Big Ten. Uh, West Virginia hasn't lost to a team not called Kansas since February 16th, and they profile they, they profile kind of like a Big Ten team that they're super reliant on their home floor, as does Maryland. Maryland's been a disaster. But, but if you're relying on your home floor, that's a negative. Right, but Maryland, Maryland, who they're playing, is a Big Ten team. They're worse on their home floor. They, they, they've they're been worse on their home floor. Or worse away from their home floor. They've won one road game all season long. So this is important to realize. These are What are the games that are analogous or comps for these games? It's going to be against good teams on the road. Right and, yep. and most or those the neutral tournaments the yeah. mid early season tournaments I agree yeah uh, and you said Bob Huggins I think Bob Huggins has a big coaching edge in this matchup Kevin Willard who came in uh, from Seton Hall he's gone one and four in the first round and he's had more talented teams than he has right now with this Maryland team uh, their Maryland's one of their strengths is rebounding but West Virginia is a better rebounding team and I certainly wait conference heavy into this matchup West Virginia. 7-11 and 11 in their conference this season, but playing in the Big 12 has really prepped them for this spot, the Big 12 being the best conference in the country. So I, I like West Virginia here against Maryland. You know, I don't like the Big 10 at all, and this may sound crazy. I'm going to pay a lot of attention Tuesday. The Big 10 has two teams, mm. Rutgers and Michigan, playing in the NIT. It's like a leading indicator. Exactly. So the Big 10's been great at home, so this is like kill shot spots for both these teams. If they don't do well in those games, I think it's a great sign that the Big 10 may well struggle throughout the entire Big Dance. I like that. West Virginia, the fifth toughest strength of schedule in the country. So you want to talk about battle-tested? They are battle-tested. I don't know. It felt like what I heard today was a lot of people saying West Virginia was fool's gold. I don't want to lay two and a half also. That's what I'm it's saying. Like, it doesn't this just feel like, and West Virginia you leads by two, one by with a minute to play. You know, it's like and if you're laying one and a half, you're like, I'm okay. Laying two and a half, it's like, ooh. Um, mm. There's still twos out there, right, Scott? There, it's two across the board. Oh, okay. So except South for, Point's the only for, one. South Point, two yeah. and a half. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I My gut feeling here is... Well, let's talk about brackets for a second. This is t- the nine that's favored over the eight is typically the best pick to make, one of the best picks to make, because you know a lot of people are picking that eight. A lot of people are. Yep. Um, I personally will take the nine, even, you know, just even if I don't have an opinion on the game, even if they're two, two and a half point, you know, if this line was flipped, because I think your game, because one of the things. I'll do with the brackets that we are, you know, official bracket we're selling and that AJ doesn't want to compete against is, um, <laughs> is I'll look late right before, you know, when I have some decisions, what is the bet percentage or pick percentage at ESPN, at Yahoo, whoever's doing the big brackets, because that's going to give you a good idea if you're competing against similar people. Hey, look, there's this 10 seed everyone's talking about. Like if Furman were getting 50% of the picks, I'm not picking him, even though even though AJ likes him, mm-hmm. because AJ doesn't think this line should be pick him, right? Now they're not going to be getting fifty percent, but in general, taking dogs only has an advantage if more people are playing the favor. If somehow more people are playing the dog, that's perfect. I want to be on the favorite, right? I mean, you're great at meta theory, Fred. Oh, yeah, of course, because you get the best bang for the buck, and it's it's just it's fantasy football, you know, one-on-one. If everybody's taking somebody, you, you just can't take them. You know, one thing, and this has a fantasy aspect to it, 
I think I might go with a conference stack. So what did we talk about in fantasy football? When you stack, you play the quarterback and the receivers. I might go with an anti-Big Ten stack where I just say, I'm betting on Northwestern to lose in the first round. I'm going to bet on Indiana to lose. I'm going to bet on all the Big Ten teams to suck all tournament long. This is a strong thought because let's think about this. We're back to the normal distribution. You're not going heads up, right? You're going against elite or, or you're going against a lot of competition, and you got to go to the edge of your expected outcomes to win. Well, how do you increase the chance of having an extreme result? We've talked about same-game parlays. You're trying to find correlations that aren't going to be perceived as clearly, and that's not uh, you're not discounting your payoff, right, because they do that pretty harshly. Here you're saying for me to get – if I play things that are inversely correlated, the chance of me having an extreme result is less. If I play things that are correlated, and thus if the Big Ten is bad – the first couple games that you lose, let's say you're right, there's a better chance that the Big Ten's going to lose the next ones. Well, you got them all in anyway because you had to put it in before the game started. So, like, if example, if I'm taking Memphis to beat Purdue in the second round, I probably should just go for it and just fade all the Big Ten teams. Yeah, yeah. Now, does that mean we should maybe look at parlays along those ways? I think so. Like, if you like to play a bigger parlay, take a, have a thesis – it might be the West Coast. Like last year, wasn't it the West Coast was bad? Like the, none of the West Coast teams did any good? Or do I remember that right? Well, not, not they didn't really do well in the tournament. Yeah. Well, that's what we're Rel- relative to expectations. Yeah. I was going to say Gonzaga had a good year, but they didn't do well. So I think you've done yeah. very well parlaying anti-Mountain West teams, by example, yeah. each and every year. Yeah, so maybe there's five of potential. Maybe you get a three-team parlay. Because if you don't like a side, why play? But in general, for the bracket and for this, and I see— And you get the best number anyway. So if the best number exists at the same book on like three Big Ten teams you want to fade, mm-hmm. play a three-team parlay, pay six to one. You're laying actually just under minus one. 110 is the way the math works out. You do better than the mechanical parlay this with the three-teamer. Don't play the four-teamer. Play the three-teamers. You want to, if you want to know the percentages as of right now on ESPN's tournament challenge, yes, 51% have selected Maryland. Okay, if that's as of case, right now, if that's the case. Come, you know, and by the way, our brackets are going to be available. You can buy ahead of time, obviously. Um, They're going to be available at 3 Eastern on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Wednesday. So even Wednesday before you go home, you have if you're working a straight job, you have a your you know a couple hours. Then you get that night the next morning. So nice, it gives us enough time to get our info for me to apparently copy AJ's (laughs) picks, and then I mean I will from this, yeah, and uh, sometimes, and uh, we love it. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it bears repeating: you got the coupon code. For 60% or $60 off, that's even better than 60%. And I do think the, that that late information about the way these brackets are being filled out will be, it's almost like a cheat sheet in a way. And I would say if you're going, you know, we're going to have some, I'm going to have two brackets. One is going to be if you play a lot of people with more high risk. One is going to be if you're playing less people. Let's say you're debating between the two. Hey, go online late and look at what is being picked and you want to fade. It's not about fading all the 51 percenters. It's about saying, considering it's a five versus 12. And if it's, you know, 51, 49, 49 on the 12, it's like, man, that's not good. I want to go with the favorite there with their five point favorite. But 51, so, 49 on an eight, nine. Yeah. Because in theory, it's a coin flip. Yeah. Um, and. 
as I said at the beginning, it bears repeating. For the $4, and remember, you just use Dream 60, and you get $60 off. For the $4, you're now getting $40 of coupons if you want to, uh, and it's promo code is a better way to say it. If you want to get Fez, you want to get AJ, you want to get whatever, and it's one for the first, second, and third round, and then one for the uh, the third and fourth, I guess, together, you'd say, uh, that weekend, and then one for the Final Four weekend. Okay. Next up, and we were just talking about it, Houston, Northern Kentucky. Northern Kentucky, that's near Cincinnati, isn't it, Fez? It is, probably by Covington. Hmm. I've never, right yeah, I've been, in, I've been in Cincinnati one time. I didn't like it. Love Cincinnati. I love Skyline. Hate Skyline. Hmm. I, that does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Houston favored by 21. Highland Heights, Highland Heights, Kentucky. Is that like familiar to you? No. Fans? Okay. There, there's tons of people who live in Southern Ohio that have never been to Kentucky. Okay. Never heard of it. Well, uh, but a lot of people, you know, the Cincinnati airport's in Kentucky. Yes. What was the current line? 19 and a half. So we got some money on the dog. I'll tell you, the sharps I hear like Houston here. AJ? Uh, I love Houston here. Houston minus 19 and a half. This is, if you could have picked, like if Houston could have selected anybody in the field to play in the first round, this is the team they would have picked. Bad rebounders, I hear. Terrible rebounding team. This is a zone defense that allows offensive rebounds. Houston is one of the three or four best offensive rebounding teams in the country. They they're gonna get forty five to fifty percent of their own misses, which I'm. It sounds like an absurd number, but I I think it's very serious. It's it's going to be a blowout because North because so North Sasser, Kentucky Sasser probably doesn't play. I wouldn't expect him. To, I don't think they need him to. That he they said he was a he was a uh, it Dan was Thomason? it was precautionary that they sat him in the last game. So it makes me think that he could play, but if it was precautionary, why wouldn't you be extra precautious and not play him in this game that you don't need him in? I think it's cautious. You're can right. You, can you be extra precautious? You're right. No, it sounds like maybe you should be. Though. No, I think you should. Can you be post-cautious? It, yeah, at the bar when you're drinking, saying, I should have done something different. <laughs> if you're precautious and post-cautious, were you careful at all? Let's think. Well, but what is post-cautious? Nah, I don't even know. <laughs> The other, so the way that, but, but but let me ask you this: I would rather, if I'm betting Houston here, which I probably am going to, I would rather Sasser not play. Oh, I because think now I, yeah, you're yeah. eighteen. Yeah, the number, and I think the team stays focused. Uh-huh. I agree with that, right? right? Because it, it, they can't name the score. And Saucer's going to be going at eighty percent. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be risking, you know. Yeah, a, I like picking up the slack here. Do now, I heard someone say. This is a great prop betting opportunity that they have. That even though it's a big line, they'll have over under rebounds for some of the individual players on Houston. I don't even know what. Oh, for I was gonna say for team. I was like, I don't know what number they could put. That these are like, the East ah, Coast props. Since Vegas just doesn't have them. Well, we have yeah. listeners on the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Fez is like, I can't make money. Why are we talking about? We are, it? Right. Quit wasting time. But what about Fez International? Yeah, Fez International. These bets are limited. We yeah. Cannot. We got an eighteen dollar yeah, limit on this now. They make money on this thing. They're completely lying. <laughs> They wouldn't let you play if they didn't think you were a sucker. Have you ever, have you ever seen anyone more self-involved? <laughs> <laughs> you must have been in real financial trouble the first time you came to me. Because, because for fans to think, I got to care about other people, that had to be a painful yeah. 
But you've time. actually, I'll give you credit. You've done it well. Hey, I got, I you've got, done it well. I got good news for you here because <laughs> you've been you've been wanting to parlay the favorite and the over. All right, like, all right. Can't do it. Can't do it because if there's a blowout and teams up 17 points, yeah, they run clock and it's yeah, there's yeah. no foul. I'm pulling back the curtain here. Oh, here we go. When a team is up 20 or more, the game is determined. And there isn't that slowdown oftentimes. Oftentimes you see quite a few points scored when a team's up to So if it's a real blowout. Then, it's ha- then, then the scrubs come in and they just say, ah, we have fun. And there's and they keep scoring four points per minute. But yes. what about the phenomenon of resting? You said scrubs come in. Is If you if this is the second game of the weekend, I'm more inclined to think they just run it up with the starters. Second, first game of the weekend, they got to play in 48 hours. Sometimes they rest them early. They they do, but these guys want to score. They're averaging two and a half points per game. You know, they and they, they and it, 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 the the whole evolution of basketball has changed. Back when I was growing up, when the scrubs came in, don't shoot. You know, run clock. And now these guys come in and they want to score. But wasn't that unfair that the black players weren't allowed playing back then, Fez? That was unfair. <laughs> but wait a minute, that was the 40s. I grew up. I, I grew up in the in the seventies, and Irv Giddings was jamming for Irv? the Dayton Flyers, the Biggie Irv Giddings and the Dayton Flyers. Were you there when Oscar Robinson played for Cincinnati? I think he was a little before my time. <laughs> the yes. Big O. Yes. I want to think about first half, maybe bad in this so, offensive rebounding. Would it? I don't even know this answer. I'm not asking rhetorically. Would it be something the more fatigued the opponent gets, the more dominant the offensive rebounding team gets? Or is it that once they're up by 15 or whatever, their intensity to get those offensive rebounds are less, and thus I'd rather go first half? Do I want fatigue on my side, or do I want intensity on my side? So the great thing about Houston is Kelvin Sampson doesn't let you pull off the gas. Mm -hmm. Intensity is for 40 minutes with him. But Houston has been dominant in first halves this year. Their average ah. ha- their average halftime lead is 12 points. What the game. heck happened against East Carolina? But hold on a second. We're on to something here. Fez didn't talk for a minute. He didn't like it. Is that something? You're saying Houston is like the Philadelphia Eagles of the first half yes. of this year. So, Fez, right now, if you didn't know what the first half line is, and the current number is what, 19? 19, 19 and a half. What would you guess first half? 11.1. Mackenzie, check 12. that, please. It's 12. Yeah. Oh, that's actually Ooh. high. Yeah. Mm. But if what's-his-face gets ruled out, does it go down a point? Yeah, yeah but, but it's still, still the ratio. Oh, yeah. They're still juicing it like they're the Eagles. So you like you like Houston, though? I do. Fez, you got anything on us? I don't like, laying, I don't like laying favorites. I think we know. Yeah. You got anything, Scott? I would just look to Houston in the first half, and then I think Houston to the over because I think it could be one of those – yeah, well, I, bet know, overs. I understand, but I think it could be. Don't like them. <laughs> you you want to book I, the over? I, just, I think that Houston goes in with like a 52, 20-something. I, I like the Houston to over correlated parlay. The, the problem is these two teams are both like bottom 20 nationally in pace. So any over. like Yeah, but the thing we forget is that all the stuff that's obvious is built in the line. Yeah. Right? And it's 122. That's, yeah. Is that the lowest total? It's got to be the lowest well, total. That's, 122 with a 20-point favorite is very Ooh. unusual. Right? Yes, I agree. I got to tell you something. I like the full game, and here's why. If you tell me Samson is intent on intensity, the first half is something that's low var- or I'm sorry, low sample size. Meaning, if you stop eight weeks in the NFL season and say, who's the best in the first half – versus the fourth quarter versus whatever, and then you look at it from there on, is it predictive? You're going to see it's hardly not – it's almost all random. 
Okay. And it, we think that there's trends, but there's not at those low mm -hmm. sample size numbers. But Samson's intensity is something we objectively know. So I'd rather take advantage of the full Because remember, when you bet a full game, you get the whole game to be right. When you bet half, you get only half the game to be right. I like it for the whole game. I do too. And I like it especially knowing that Houston just came off their only embarrassing mm. loss of the season. Like they got right. smashed by Memphis. Uh, their other two losses, a one-point loss to Temple, and then they lost by six to Alabama, who's the best team in the country. No shame in either of those. This is a rival game, and they absolutely got hammered. I expect Houston to come out pissed off. So, AJ, I, I asked before, what the heck happened against a bad East Carolina team when Houston was, like, tied at half? Like you're talking about a, a month ago? No, in the conference tournament. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't explain it. it He's it, talking about you're saying East Carolina was tied at half? And they yeah. got beat bad at the end? They got beat by 14. You, so Houston was laying 20, and they're up like up one. Let me one guess, did you have this game? No, I, was just, I, just, I, just, I just couldn't believe that Houston was like only up by like one or two points at halftime when they're a 20-point favorite. What happened, AJ? They only uh, won by 14. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the game before that, when they played East Carolina in the regular season, they had a 17-point halftime lead. I, exactly. I, mean, <laughs> I can't believe that. If a team could be winning by 20 every single halftime. You're only supposed to be winning by 10 or 11, <laughs> right, if you're a 20-point favorite. But I think you should have to book. If any favorites we like, you should have to offer to book them. You want to book Houston? Sure. You do, really? Sure. I'll AJ, take let's it. Let's tear in. Yeah, I'll take it. What's the, let's really take a chunk. We'll make them back down. Let's see the market, McKenzie. So no vig. I'm thinking a dime. You want to die? No, I'm, I'm just, oh, I thought you were meaning like a real I'll bat. go nickel, college basketball. All right, all right. Where are you going? Uh, I'll, I'll go 250 with Fez. All right. Does that work? If you don't want it, you don't I, want I, I, that. All right, green button, baby. Oh, Put it on the whiteboard. All right, so what's the number is the question. So we're looking at um, 19 and a half, 19 and a half, 19, 19 and a half, 19, 19 and a half, 19 and a half. Hmm. 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 All right. So, how many how many cents do you think nineteen is worth? It, they're all worth like eight cents. That many? Yeah. Wow. So they're worth. Uh, um, Even when it gets that high, there would be more variance, but they'd still be a normal distribution. I mean, I guess normal distribution might be a little yeah. flattened. All right. So it feels like what circa's at nineteen. So how's this sound? You give us nineteen, and we'll lay one hundred five. Fair. All right, because we're kind of splitting the difference. Yeah, we are. That's all right. perfect. That's, that that's what I was going to make the number. All right, perfect. So, um, all right, so I got a nickel. You got half a nickel. Sounds good. You want to jump in on this, Scott? I'll jump in for one yet, 100. All right, does that work for you? It's good. <laughs> Fez likes being a book. Well, imagine him as a bookie. Jesus Christ, he'd be driving a big car. <laughs> I mean, because if he, if he had all the edges <laughs> on his side, but he could still pull his shenanigans... I like that. He'd be driving a big car. Oh, my God. <laughs> he wouldn't even know what car he had. Oh, wait. That's the same thing now. All right. Next game. I like the green button, baby. We're thinking about getting, you know, we got video brewing again, but we got these gigantic windows behind me. We think we're going to put our bets as they are live up there. Each window will be one of the one person's bets. 
Well, that's interesting. Oh, then we could say like someone's kind of slack and yeah. not giving enough. Ah. Fez's bets will have to spill over to other windows. That's, he'll <laughs> get, the Fez side, two he windows. get the sides. Yeah. Those, those two windows are Fez right there. Yeah, it yeah. should be fun. Should be, right behind him too. That yeah. works. <laughs> All right. That should be fun. All right. Next game. And this is the last one in Birmingham, Iowa, Auburn, Auburn, the lesser seed, it seems favored by two and a half initially. One yeah. across the board. Yeah, this is a kind of a this is a true coin flip to me. And what you just said about this game being in Birmingham is where I make my lean to Auburn. Uh, I think they're I mean they're going to have a home court edge, even though Alabama fans will be in the building. They certainly won't be cheering for Auburn fans. Uh, there will be plenty of Auburn fans in this in this building. So uh, this is a really dumb Auburn team that <laughs> can't score, and that that's frustrating. They take a bunch of bad shots. But they're matched up against a super soft Iowa team that can't defend Fezzik. Uh, and they built their resume on beating up bad teams at home. I, I don't trust either of these teams. This is like a, a as pillow fight of a game as you can get. This is Both teams are overseeded, in my opinion. Fran McCaffrey generally underperforms in the tournament. Uh, this is the weakest team he's had in five years. Hawkeyes are four and eleven ATS on the road and neutral site games. Four and eleven ATS. I can't back Iowa here. I, I don't like Auburn, but it's the only way I could look. Speaking of the coaches, Bruce Pearl seven and three in first round games, and Auburn has won its last ten straight. NCAA first round games. Well, Auburn is indeed my best bet I, here. I, I love the fact that Iowa is a terrible road team, and they are indeed. On the road here in Birmingham, you know, thank goodness the Alabama fans should have cleared out because that game is in the morning and this game is in the afternoon. So Auburn will have a home field advantage. I just checked, um, drive across the Alabama plains of Auburn. It's a two-hour drive. They'll be there. They'll be there. Iowa stinks on the road. The Big Ten stinks in general. Auburn by six. Auburn is my best bet. The only thing that worries me... Well, this, hold on, oh. best bet. Let's let this sit for a second. But let's be clear here. The other ticket for this will be Houston, Northern Kentucky? Is that how the tickets are going to go? No. The uh, Oh. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm always interested if we think there's a big home field advantage, home court advantage, is how competitive is the ticket? I don't think that Houston ticket's going to be all that competitive. No, know? no. Houston, Northern Kentucky, no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that means Auburn probably— And just the people uh, wandering in without any dog in the fight, there's no reason not to root for Auburn. Yeah, that not with those Yankees, against those Yankees. Yes. Now— um, Iowa can, shoots a lot outside, right? Yes. And that's We're not what I, worried? That's what I was going to say. My concern is, and this goes across the board with every SEC team, they haven't seen good shooting teams this year. The SEC is the worst three-point shooting team in the country by far. Almost no one in the SEC shoots it well. So Iowa, who's going to come in there and chuck it a lot, it's going to be a different look for this team. Iowa shoots a lot better at home than they do on the road. That but is you're absolutely right. true. But Iowa does Often, have really yeah, good yeah. shooters. But they're soft. Now, what, this venue... Legacy Arena is that a big, bigger arena that the sight lines might be problematic, or like what's the capacity there, Scott? It is. Um, and let me ask you, Scott's getting that seventeen thousand. So it's a regular, that, it's a regular basketball arena. Seventeen is pretty big. Isn't yeah, that's it? like an NBA arena. I mean, that's a good. I mean, I was saying it's a good size. Um, is this an Auburn and under? Does is it? I mean, if I was relying on the three, AJ. Oh, I like. I think this yeah, is strong. Maybe yeah. I mean, if we like, maybe we like. Uh-huh. We, we don't think Auburn's going to score eighty, although Iowa's defense is weak. You know, but but we're we're counting on you know Iowa not to make their threes. I, mean, the I like total's one fifty two, right? 
So, if, I mean, but I'm thinking first half, right? We got the first half under. Because I think this, when a team, if it, now I've never heard this theory, so tell me if I'm right. We think teams try harder, even if it's a futile effort at the end, right? They, they die hard. Let's yes. Say. If you're a three-point shooting team, you're in general, if you're going to fight to the end, going to keep shooting. And I know that there people believe in the hot hand or don't believe in the hot hand. But in general, you if, if you miss a bunch of shots and you make two in a row, if you're a shooter, you think you're back, mm -hmm. right? That's the classic thing. You keep shooting and shooting because the first one you hit, you're back. I, I, I like a halftime bet here because if Auburn's up by 12 or 14 at some point in the second – I was going to keep shooting. They might get hot, and you know. It, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I may, because all these games mixed together. Isn't Iowa the team that was down ten? AJ with a minute to play and one. Yes, straight yeah, they up overtime. Yeah, they, so, hit, they hit the buzzer, beat the three. So that's yeah. the theory. And so, so there's no way, no way I want any game under actually in Iowa games because you know they've got precedent that down fourteen they're going to foul, start fouling with two minutes to go. I'd like to see the stats. If you have a team playing in an unfamiliar venue. That's an outside shooting emphasis team. Do they shoot worse in the first half than the second? Because it's a, it's be. it's the first game of the weekend. Don't know the sight lines. You know that's another thing to look at in that trend, Scott. Is is it the first game of the? Oh, you're saying it's all first round. Those unders. Yeah, first round. Which unders. Is, I mean, well, for the whole tournament is the first half unders, but especially in the first round, yes. So that speaks to the idea. It's the first game of two games at that venue, which is more unfamiliarity. Yep. Mm -hmm. The first half of the first game yep. is even more. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm not as strong on the side as Fez, but I, if that's the side you're looking, I think certain. But, you know, part of this too is just like in terms of the shoot around time and the like. It's like it's pretty condensed. Mm, you know, you yeah. got the other, you, you got the other team. There's 20 minutes yeah, yeah. and then the game starts. But do they have? So if it's first? the second game, uh, this is the Houston games at 6:20. Iowa plays first at 3:50. That's Pacific time. Uh, both on TNT. Which means Iowa Auburn, they'll have plenty of time to yeah. warm up because yeah, that's true. It's in, it's the time. first game of the second session, mm -hmm. so that that first that Alabama but game they will be the gym up the, the the day before, right? Yeah, yeah, but if you're talking about just warming really, up before really, the game, yeah. they're going to have plenty of time to warm up before the game. Here's the question, though: If they have limited time, when do they have time for the coach from the small school to see that the rim is ten feet high? <laughs> when does that happen? Do you lean or like this? I, I don't have a. I don't. Oh, you have a lean on everyone. I, I have a lean to Auburn. Okay, and it. Huh, I like. So why don't you like Auburn? Because he doesn't like Auburn. I, I think. But why? I think they're a bad team. Okay. I, they they take. Are a, they, they better than than Iowa? I, I don't know. Okay. I I think it's one team that's that's good on defense and, right. and Ken stupid Pom, on offense. Ken Palm has and the opposite. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ken Palm has Auburn. I'm sure better than Iowa. They've got Auburn one point better than Iowa. All right. Well, no, so Fez, what is the key? To, is this a veto play? No. It's, so this it's, is your handicap? This is my handicap. And it's just about the crowd? For years, teams playing in their home state covered 60%. It's not nearly as good. It's okay. not nearly 60% anymore, but it's been a moneymaker. Now, what do you think What do you think caused that? To, was it just somewhat random and it evened out? Or do you think there's something about travel? Because I think the general thought in the NFL is travel is so much more comfortable. It, it's not as tough to play on the road. I, 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 th I think it's the crowd. Um, and I Is think less enthused typically. The crowd now will root for the the team in their home state. But that's why they, they were winning. Why field. are they losing? Why isn't it winning anymore? Oh, because because it's. I mean, it's asking. It's a bridge too far to say to make it worth three points. It's worth like a point and a half. I think. So, oh, so you think the market has been accounting for it too much? I think the market accounts for half a point. And it's worth about a point and a half. All right, then why isn't it still winning? 
is my question. It, it is winning more than 50%. It should, uh-huh. win, it should only win like 53%. Oh, oh, I understand. You're saying yeah, yeah. the flukiness was it went a little right. further than that. Yeah. Okay. One thing I've heard, though, that we want to keep in mind quickly, and then we'll move on. These kids that are playing now, even the ones that like Iowa, you know, not great, greatest players, they all grew up playing AAU. Mm-hmm. Travel ball, playing in front of like, you know, before you grew up in a not in an urban area, you might never play in front of a big crowd. Only a couple times in the state tournament. Here these kids are playing, traveling and playing all the time. Sure. It's more second nature to them. And thus it's not like, oh, it's a big change. And maybe that means these road teams going into hostile venues, uh, it's no big surprise to him. They've done it for years. You know, I don't know. Does that make any sense, AJ? Yeah, it does. But I, but for some reason, Iowa can't seem to win away from home. Like mm-hmm. I said, four and eleven ATS when they are uh, outside of their building. And just to be clear, this isn't the Auburn home, but it's the proximity. Yeah. It's two hours away. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next game, Penn State, a team getting a lot of attention for, from their run to the finals. Right. Yep. And, and almost coming all the way back and beating Purdue. Opponent, Texas A&M. A&M favored by three, and there's a game looming against Texas. Three across the board. I like Penn State plus three here. I think it's a good matchup for them. Uh, first of all, they've got a superstar player in Jalen Pickett. Uh, A&M, it, I agree, and most people will tell you this, they're underseeded. Being the, the, a seven seed for a team that was the second best team in the SEC does feel low to me as well. But from a matchup standpoint, this is a disaster. They struggle against a team that shoots well from outside. Penn State might be the best three-point shooting team in the country as far as like volume and percentage made. They're an elite shooting team. A&M offensively thrives on offensive rebounds and getting to the free throw line because they can't shoot. Penn State, very good defensive rebounding team, and they do not foul. Uh, so those free points won't be there for A&M. And w- what we just talked about, that Big Ten finale – where Penn State pressed against Purdue. Purdue fumbled the ball around, almost gave the game away. AM could be in for a similar fate. They're in the bottom 40 nationally in steals allowed. And if you give Penn State extra possessions, that's extra three-point shots. Uh, I, I like Penn State here. I think the Aggies are in trouble. I don't like Penn State. Everything you say makes sense. I don't like the situation. Now, I get it. Texas A&M had to play three games in a row, and they did have to play on Sunday. But Penn State, and they're a bubble team going to the Big Ten tournament, and they got to play Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, pulling upset wins, going all the way to the finals, all the way down to the last shot against Purdue. So this is a team from Happy Valley, Pennsylvania. They go to Chicago for the Big Ten tournament, fly back to Happy Valley, which is not easy to get to, Altoona, Pennsylvania. And now they got to go out to Des Moines on a Thursday venue. It's a terrible spot for Penn State. You know, a uh, high school basketball coach where I grew up says, so uh, blah, 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 Stateville, whatever, can't get there from here. <laughs> is, it, is it somehow tougher travel to get to Happy Valley than it is to get from Nashville to College Station? Yes, much tougher. Well, well how? Isn't, isn't Morgantown famous for being tough to get to? Like, yes. Where the airport is relative? Yes. RJ, you've been to Penn Ames, State, Iowa right? is difficult. No, I have. It's impo- Exactly. No, why? Can't get there from here. Because it's impossible. Even driving, it's impossible to get to, 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 to happy. It's like between highways, there's no airport there. Here's the thing that uh, smells wrong to me about, not smells wrong, I think it's wrong. I wasn't a Division One athlete. But even I, when I was 18, 19, 20, we would play basketball for four hours, literally. Then 
go eat and go swim for three hours, play golf in the morning. When you're that age, I don't think after like Monday off, Tuesday off, Wednesday off, come Thursday, the idea they have tired legs is like crazy to me. I, I don't like, though, the fact they were not going to make the tournament. They needed to win on Thursday and Friday. This is, was an all-in effort, and A&M knew they were in the tournament. I think there's a whole— So you think in general the fact that they had that intensity— is a bad thing, or does it mean they're coming in hot? It's bad. There's a limit. To, you have a limited number of 11s that you can put the amp up to, and they've used but them they, all. But in it. that case, when you have faded them against Purdue, yes, but Purdue stinks. I remember, a concept is only if it wins 55 percent of the time, it's great. Purdue led by nine, and then their their idiot guards couldn't like dribble. They dribble the ball. That's what I'm feet. just telling you. That's exactly what A and M does. That right, wasn't well, Penn he, State's here's the, pressure. Here's the beauty of it. We're gonna go into bidding. But first, let's get Scott's opinion. And you guys think how much you're going to go out. We'll go. We'll start at. Now I think about. It, we should start at a hundred, then go to two, three, four, five. That way, if someone feels strongly, but they don't want to go crazy with it, they. Could, I'm okay. betting three spades. I want to go three hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no. But what I'm, I'm saying, right is we'll, to the game. We'll go back one. But you got anything on this, Scott? I just don't like the Big Ten in this tournament, and uh-huh. I, I would Is gladly. It? I would gladly take the SEC team over the Big Ten team. I don't care who they are. All right now. Since I know no one's going to say I would let it go for 100 because that would be embarrassing. 100, you both agree to bet, right? Yeah. How about 200? You in? I'll do 200. 300. Ooh, I'll what? do three. Four. Five. Well, so that's whoa, 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 whoa. Four. <laughs> three, I'm good. Four. All right, the official pick, and it's a $300 bet, though, because Fez was willing to go to four. You guys are betting three. Yep. Is now, it's been reversed. <laughs> I like this. It's going to be Texas A&M. I'm laying three. Yep. Yeah, that's it. whatever we say when Good. we set it up. Because uh, that's excellent. Um, I enjoyed that, huh? Yeah, it's fun. I like it. It's interesting. Interesting. I kind of, huh. Good luck with your Big Ten teams. Thank you. Good luck, with your listen, SC- listen, Good luck with your SEC team we, against a shooting team. We don't team. have to be snide. We've SEC. solved it. We've solved it. I've never said SEC in my life. <laughs> it just means more. They're playing football, right? That's football. <laughs> Basketball means less. No, trust me. Like, they're, like they're, I see. I watch enough ESPN Plus that it's like a swimming competition. SEC. It just means more. But then it's I, wrong because they're talking football. I don't know. I, know. I, I, know. I think the Penn State football team plus three. I don't think I want to go against that right now. You know what's funny? Alabama. It, I don't. I hear Alabama basketball. I don't even think about Nick Saban. It feels like it's a mm. complete different school, doesn't it? It yeah, really does. That's a good point. It really does. <laughs> it's like oh, they're but underdogs. That's, that's, they seem like they're underdogs. Yeah, but that's kudos to Nate Oates and what he's done in, the, in that in that whole program. Or maybe it's kudos to Nick Saban that he makes it. Like, he separated so himself. Did, yeah, it's like yeah. Alabama football exists I, beyond the school. I think of Alabama as the one seed. As man, those guys must try hard. They must. You know, apparently they have a lot of money for the name, image, likeness. Yeah, is what right. I'm hearing. Okay. Do you think it's like generally when you think of these football schools that that have good basketball teams? Is your first thought to go to the football team? To go? What do you mean go to? Like, like yeah, yeah. So like with with Texas as a two seed, do you like? Oh yeah. Well, except Rick Barnes had them going too, you know. So I guess I and Texas was down for a long time, but I mean Alabama, I obviously Ohio State, I don't think basketball. Yeah. Right. Uh, USC, I don't think basketball. No. Right. So there is a phenomenon there. Yeah. All right, next game. Speaking of Texas, Texas Colgate. And this one opened up Texas favored by 15. 13 and a half. Money on the dog. I lean Texas here. Uh, this Texas team is playing at an elite level right now. They became the first team or third team in the history of time to beat Kansas by 16 plus points in the same year twice. Uh, they are a top 10 team in experience. 
They are elite defensively. And Colgate has not held up well against top-level competition. They lost to 27. Why not alike? It's a, it's a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of points. Twenty. They lost by 27 to Auburn in their only matchup all season long against a top 100 Ken Palm team. Meanwhile, Texas has played a top 10 strength of schedule. Uh, this is they proved by losing Chris Beard midseason or really even pre midseason that this team has not fallen off. They're one of the 10 most talented teams in the country. Their physicality overwhelms Colgate. They cruise into round two. I'm hearing a lot of talk about they're on a mission. They have something to play for. So update those who are coming into the so, college basketball, what happened with Beard. Yeah, a couple of years ago, Chris Beard uh, got hired away from Texas Tech. He is a Texas alum. It was a big deal for Texas to get him. He was the hottest coach on the market. Texas got him. And earlier this season, he was accused of physically assaulting his fiance. Uh he got. He's since been cleared of all charges and apparently is not in any kind of trouble. But Texas is big on image, and it was a bad look to them. So before he was even cleared, they said, nope, you're gone. They relieved him of duty. Rodney Terry is so, the head so coach right now. it's not he's suspended or whatever. It's, he's not the head coach of Texas anymore. So you know what I think is a bad look? Punishing people for something when they didn't do anything. Yeah. If well, that's the case. Wasn't he our coach for like six hours, Chris Beard? At UNLV? Yeah. Didn't we hire uh, him? I believe then? so, yeah. 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 Well, then F him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm happy you got and who Listen, obviously there's times people do something wrong and they don't get convicted. In general, you do something wrong and you don't even get indicted, you probably didn't do much wrong. Though you could say historically with women and men, if the men's the, you know, usually the physical aggressor, they get, they've gotten away with a lot without being convicted. So that's to me why the justice system has to be something that's pristine. Cause if someone says he got off or he got, he didn't get charged. It's like, who, who knows? It's corrupt. He could have done it. Yeah. It's like, that never stops. Right. If you did it or didn't do it, you could think you did it or didn't do it. It's like, we got to, you know, so I like the fact if someone doesn't get convicted or even charged, that we assume they don't do it, right? But history doesn't allow us to do that always, you know? So what, I know. what I struggle so much with these one seeds is this all really comes down to motivation. Like, like, quit talking about anything but basketball. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like they're going to get up 20, and then do they want to take their foot off the gas or not? I think you're handicapping that, and that's, you know. Let me ask you a question, Fez. When you see, like, when, you know, obviously when I'm on a show, it's different than, like, Fezix Focus, for example. When you see like the general interest in them, does it? Do you ever wonder, like, because you got the hardcore that love like your talk of teasers and you know poo poo and everything. They're like poo poo and their friends, like you poo poo, you know parlays. What do you? Does it make you like? How do you think about it? Do you think if only people were as authentic or hardcore as me? Like, how do you think about it? Because you know through your pocketbook that my style brings. You know, a, a big audience. Would we agree with yes. that? Yes. What, what do you think? Do you get mad at the people that don't listen to you but listen to me? Or how do you think well, about it? Well, more people listen to you than me. That's what I'm saying. I don't, do get, get, I don't know. I don't get mad. But why? Because sometimes I'll start a story. Like, that. if I'm thought, listening to that, I'm thinking Fez is actively hostile by having RJ oh, by, make by that like statement. bringing it back to it, the direct, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say, I thought, like, well, what's Fez going to say about this? He goes. But the thing about number one seeds are they never get convicted. Now, I mean, it's 
<laughs> like, but so I'm, I'm, I think for in general, you've done a good job of like accepting that your style has a limited audience, unless it's a little sugar coated with stories or maybe busting ball. But it seems like you still don't like it. <laughs> I think you know, maybe that's. Just I'm gonna, a, I'm gonna embrace it. I'm gonna embrace it because you're right that there's like even like 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 legal troubles and things like that. Mm-hmm. How a team responds, like Alabama. Look at Alabama, like, oh, they're in trouble, you know, the, with, the, with this whole distraction. And then they started just kicking butt despite that distraction. So I think every team responds differently to yeah. distractions, right? Yeah. Except <laughs> I, I, here's what I would say. Now that I think about it, when I'm telling a story about Tecmo or whatever, <laughs> you're pretty good. Yeah, if it gets late and you're starting to sundown or whatever, you know, you 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 get a little frowny, but generally you're engaged. But if it's something that could be controversial, your stomach starts to churn and you hate that. Would you agree with that? Well, you've taught me that. Yeah, well, you know? but what I taught you was don't say things that are going to piss off half the people. I don't think people should be able to buy bazookas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But but <laughs> perfect. But then but then what I think we've proven is if you've got an open mind and you respect the other side, most people are open to hearing. Like I, I've rarely met a Democrat or Republican that says, I think they're evil. What happens is one side, it's, it's like he started it. Like the stuff with like, well, you know, we got too much going on. So I'm going to actually make a point not to get off on a tangent. But I would say this. I have felt very little pushback from us addressing topics because people usually feel like they're fairly addressed, even if they don't agree with us. And, and I would also say only people I care about is our audience. I don't care what like other people would think. Now I want to grow the audience, but in general, since our views are almost to a man libertarian in that it's about freedom, it's about, you know, I think most of our listeners appreciate at least that general concept that Mm -hmm. we're consistent with freedom. And to me, innocent till proven guilty is a pretty basic part of the United States. Mm-hmm. And thus, when I express, hey, if the guy didn't get convicted, maybe he shouldn't have lost his job or didn't even get indicted, I think most of our listeners are going to agree. And even if they don't, they're going to be open-minded to it. I and, think. and the irony is this is the state of Texas, which I think would be more likely to... Um, choose, hey, choose your words wisely here. I don't know what you're... What, like, no, what he's saying is in general, it's a less woke state. Whatever the evolution of wokeness has been, Texas is, is some years behind that California on the curve. What's, yes. What city is the University of Texas in? Yeah. Yeah. It is the capital of wokeness, trust me. Well, it's not, though. Uh, it's not, okay, it's it, not San Francisco. Texas. It's the southern capital yeah. of wokeness. Yeah. That's like, I'll tell you this. Oh, That's a good point. I never, never thought about that. Good, and I, I think it's just, it really is just right. an image thing for Texas. Like, well, like, so, so is things like back in the day, not having the black person be the second. Or the lady be the secretary at the front of the office. But do you agree that a guy, a guy who and the charges were dropped because his fiance withdrew her charge, mm-hmm. which because her husband has a mul- or her fiance has a multi million dollar job at, at stake, she decided, oh, if we're gonna if we're gonna ride this well, thing if, out, if that was if that was her uh, guiding principle, she would have never called the cops to start with. Or she would have never allowed, I mean, at some point she had to be involved. You would think she, and again, I don't know. So I'll say, I, I would suspect that she had to be somehow involved. Now I get maybe in hindsight, it's like, man, there's a lot at stake. Who knows if there's some payoff? Now, have they been, are they still together? Or yes. They, okay. Now that's interesting 
But again, what they'll tell these are complicated topics, and we'll move on. But what they'll tell you is oftentimes a woman feels trapped uh, financially, from emotionally, whatever, and then the abuser talks them, and I'm not saying it's the case here, talks them out of it, and then it happens again. Yep. So th listen, very complicated things. But in general, innocent till proven guilty, we're a fan of here. Yes. I mean, I'm here because of that. Oh, wait, no. I've never <laughs> even had an indictment. Uh, I, I tell this story once in a while. It's 30 seconds, Fez. You think you can smile? You think? All right, here it is. I moved to Vegas in 98. I was getting the weekly, right? So the Las Vegas Weekly was here back then. You yeah, probably was started. that a newspaper? Or? Yeah, it's a weekly free newspaper. Okay. And Oscar Goodman had just become mayor. And I'm reading it, and they're talking about some uh, city co councilman that got into big trouble. But he was uh, Oscar Goodman's guy. He was like one of his guys. And Goodman goes, indicted, not convicted. <laughs> he goes, you can indict a ham sandwich. Don't worry about it. And I thought, that's the mayor? This is my town. This is my <laughs> All right. So Texas is a lean. Yes. Too many points. And in a way, betting or saying that the favorite's a lean is effectively saying you like the favorite. You just don't want to pay the premium. Right. Okay. I like that. All right. We got six games left. Howard, Kansas, Bill Self. Any update on that? Uh, Bill Self will be back coaching. He's been released from the hospital. They say he's going to coach in this game. No diagnosis. I, I, he had an emergency procedure, right? Like it was an actual procedure. I heard. Yeah, but I, I don't. I think they've been kind of close to the vest about mm -hmm. what it is. No pun intended. Now heart condition, right? I think so. Mm -hmm. How much do you account for that? This in your hand? Heart surgery. Yeah. I do not. Oh, that's crazy. So the, not in the first, not in the first round. Like I, that's well, how, first how I the line is is made at twenty three right now is the open. What are we at? We are at 21, uh, 20 and a half though at DraftKings. That's the best number. I do take it into account, and I think it, the market's taken it into account for their national title odds. But why wouldn't it affect every game? Like in different ways. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if you could just roll the ball out, but I don't know. I mean, if anything, this might be that whole Sasser situation where if he, if he doesn't somehow, if he doesn't coach, the, he's going to coach the first game, right? So I don't know. I feel like, so what you're saying is maybe the strategy that Bill Self separates himself from other coaches doesn't matter if you're favored by 20-some. I, I, I may be wrong on it. I don't like, know. The more what you say it, I might be wrong. I think it matters more in the first half than the game because what? the game's what? motivation, the first half's preparation. Is it prep again if you're favored by 21 or whatever? I don't know. It's an interesting question. But you do consider it significantly for the entire tournament. Absolutely. How big would it be relative to Kansas going out west? Meaning whatever factor going out west instead of the Midwest was, how does it compare to the Bill Self health factor? It's bigger than Bill Self to me. Okay. But, but is Bill Self half? I mean, like what? Because like if Bill Self wasn't going to be there at all, it would be huge, mm -hmm. but because he's going to be there, I assume that he's like I, he must have gotten medical clearance to be there. Yeah, but I don't know. My thought is the things that separate the greats. And first, I'm not sure Bill Self is great. Whoa, no, really? He's a great, consistent. Let me say in the tournament, I'd make the case prior to last year. Remember when they beat what was it, Memphis? When they beat when they won their national, yeah, yeah. it was a flu. It, they got to the Mario final. Chalmers. Yeah, it was one of the great endings where it was like Some let's call it free throws and coin flip. Yeah. Let's call it the best of coin flip. So if you coach for like 30 years, and if it now again now I'm starting to qualify. If it weren't for last year and it weren't for that one coin flip, you have none. 
I think adding two puts you into a great cat category, but I don't think you could say he's excelled in the NCAA tournament. He's lost early in that tournament, yeah. like an inordinate amount. Doesn't so it feel Bill like... Self is twenty-four and eighteen ATS as a one seed in the tournament, seventeen and seventeen ATS when they're not a one seed. Now that's a good wow. Yes. That's a trend. Of the I don't want to step in front of that trend. No, that's good. Well, because so some motivation. He likes to. Yeah, when he's got a superior team, he's able to navigate that yeah. fairly well. Yes. And it seems like cover big numbers. Whereas if he doesn't have a great team, a two or whatever, not, you know, it's still break even. So in a way, that's all net net better than I would have thought. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll retract that. I, my guess is he wouldn't have been well over. But some of that is survivor bias. The very fact he's been a coach 20 some years means he did decently in the tournament, right? Yeah, that's a good point. If you took all the coaches in yeah. the tournament, they all have positive against the spread it, records because if they had bad records, they get fired. Yeah, if Bill Self didn't have those two championships, mm -hmm. he wouldn't be the coach at Kansas anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I think <laughs> I think the one would have had it. I don't think he was going to be fired, but yeah. you, you, I hear what you're saying. If he didn't do well or all right, but I just think the difference between him and whoever is a little bit. Mm -hmm. it, 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 but Bill it probably is, is more important when it spreads seven than when it's 21. Yeah, yeah. If I said you could have like a coach draft, like is Bill Self not going in your top five? So if we're not if we're not thinking about age at all? Yeah. Just all right. one year, yeah. No, I'm saying like to take over your program going forward. I'd take Beard. <laughs> really? I, I think I would. Okay. I mean, who, who, who do you think are the best five coaches? If youth is consideration. I mean, I do think Chris Beard is very good. I think it was a disaster they lost him. I think he's going to end up at— Well, they didn't lose him. They pushed him out. They apparently. did. He's, he's probably going to end up taking the Ole Miss job. Um, but I, I, can't think of, I can't think of four guys that I would take over Bill Self, though. But who's the couple that you would consider? Like, who's the best coaches in basketball? This isn't a trick question. You wouldn't take Patino, Calipari, those guys? Or are they no. aged out? Or? No, they're, they're aged out for sure. Uh, I might take Nate Oates at this point, who's he's done a fantastic job despite a lot of drama so, at, at Alabama. Um, now, a lot of people blamed him for allowing that pat-down to happen. It's a good point. Right? I mean, that's, that's yeah, the talk. That, that, that cannot happen. Mick Cronin, Mark Few. Mark Few is a good one, but he's not going anywhere. Yeah, but we're not guessing if he's going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, all right. Well, how's this? Tomorrow, for our taping for the Friday games, how about you give us a five, the five top coaches in college basketball okay. list? Mm. I like that. Uh, yeah. All right, so... From what I've oh heard, Scott Drew at Baylor. What I've heard so far makes me think I like I don't dislike Kansas here, because because that number one seed stat tells me they're he they've covered some bigger numbers, and and hey, he's self has mm -hmm. a you know has a tendency in a certain direction. Anything else in this game? Yeah, so Kansas is Kansas plays pretty fast. They're a top fifty tempo team. Howard is sixth in tempo on defense. And they're going to let Kansas run. Kansas is going to run. The other thing that Howard has what, going what against— What is tempo on defense? What does that even mean? It means how, how long—the average length of the possession they play on defense. Okay, so you're saying tempo in basketball has offense and defensive yeah. elements. How quickly do you shoot? How, how quickly, quickly do, do you your let your opponent, opponent find a shot? Shoot. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, would that not mean that they press a lot? I mean, why would—you shouldn't be able to control tempo on defense other than— other than, other than unless you're a really bad defensive team. Or a really good one. Yes, right? but I think it would be more picking up, you know, half court trap, full court press. That that's the only thing that. Well, but unless the press gets a steal, that can extend the possession. Unless you're able to finish on the other side, because if it takes you 12, eight seconds to get up that's and true. then set, that's true. If you put some token pressure, but, that's but a good if, point. yeah, so I don't know. Depends. This is an interesting because I don't look at the analytics as closely. That's something I'd look into. Like, what is this a driver of? Because I think you're mm -hmm. right. If it's a really bad 
defense, they're going to give up easy shots early. Right. If it's a really good defense, they're going to make them go to the end of the shot clock. I don't know. That's interesting. The other thing that Howard has really got working against them is their bottom 10 in turnovers in the country. Uh, and usually they count on offensive rebounding to do that, but we talked about it in the San Diego State game. When you're physically overmatched, rebounding doesn't work as well. The, the top five Ken Palm teams that Howard played this season beat them by an average of 27.5 points per game covered by 12.5 points per game. Howard does not play up well against good competition, and obviously Kansas is the best team they've seen all season. So this is interesting. We were talking about the number one seed. Here is the average Ken Palm for the various rankings. Right? And I'll just tell you the difference between the two. So the number one seeds are 26. Uh, this is the adjusted EM. The two seeds are about 1.8 points worse. All right. So then the three seeds are about three and a half points worse than the twos. Interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And then the fours have a higher Ken Palm than the threes. So there's eight good teams. Uh, yeah. I think Connecticut out like they certainly have a heavy weighting into that because Connecticut well, they have a one fourth weighting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess more if you're higher, you're going to naturally have I a I mean, some trouble for the one seeds having to play the fours. Th that's interesting, mm -hmm. isn't it? And then you have only a, uh, well, a two-point drop to the fives. And then no drop at all. The fives and sixes are exactly mm -hmm. pretty much the same, a tenth of a point up. All the but, more reason that the fours are trouble. But then the sevens drop by, let's see, almost three points. Mm. So sevens are weak. The eights and the nines... And the tens are all higher than the sevens. That's amazing. The sevens average is fifteen point nine four. The eights is seventeen point eight. The nines seventeen point eight. The tens sixteen point six. Now that's wild. Seven ten is going to be interesting. Take a lot of tens. Uh, yeah. Well, the Northwestern and Mizzou being seven seeds, like that, it's not surprising to me. Those are teams that the analytics don't like. But their resume says you got to put these guys high. We're going to get to both of those shortly. Mm -hmm. 11s are three points worse than 10s. And then the 12s are a point worse than that. 13s are two and a half points worse than that. Now here's the drop. 13 to 14, four and a half points. 14 to 15 is about the same, about a point. And then the 15 to 16s, 10 points. Mm. Wow. That's interesting. I like to just add what I can in a show, AJ. Thank you. That was good info. Thanks, Steve. He wasn't bored by that. Thanks. <laughs> so, no upset with Kansas. No chance. And you lean. Yeah, I've got a derivative on this game, actually. I, I like the team total over for Kansas, 83 and a half. So, Kansas, in five games this year, they were favored by 21 or more. They're just one in four ATS. But the offense did their part. They were at 81 and a half points per game in those five games. If you take out the win over Harvard, who's the opposite of Howard when it comes to defensive tempo, it jumps to 85 points per game. And because I said Howard is like bottom 10 nationally and turning the ball over, Kansas's offense thrives in transition. There's going to be plenty of offense for Kansas here. So Kansas team total over 83 and a half. So when you're saying I like it. You like that? Yeah. When you're saying the opposite of Harvard Howard, explain that because we talked about team defensive tempo, but explain like connect the dots because I think sometimes we put a state a concept out there that maybe some of the audience is just not starting to understand, and then we build upon it in a way that needs more context. So we've talked about offensive rebounding a lot in this pod, and teams that 
choose to forego offensive rebounding. Now, what do you mean forego? Who wouldn't want offensive rebounding? Well, teams I'm that, being rhetorical. Teams that prioritize setting up their defense and getting ready to defend. So it's a Virginia. trade-off. It's a, yeah, Virginia's a good example. They, but, but the more you're down-pounding to get the offensive rebound, the better chance they can run the other Of way. running in transition, yeah. Howard's a team that allows you to run in transition. Because they want to gain on the offensive rebound. And they turn the ball over a ton, which is a, a nightmare combo. Okay. And then Harvard, on the other hand, is being conservative. Yes. And they're not getting offensive rebounds, but they're not getting runoff. And Harvard would rather play low-scoring games, low-possession games. Howard wants to play up-tempo, high-possession games. This is my pet peeve. The muscle memory of of college basketball players, you're in a situation you have to score or you lose. All right? So you're down five with ten seconds to play. You're down three with four seconds to play. All right? And yet players will shoot and the guards will start backpedaling. Because that's what their muscle memory is. Mm-hmm. Why is it they can't realize you? All five guys have to crash the boards. If if you don't score, don't think, you lose. Oh, you mean in a certain spot in the game? Okay, yes, yeah, yeah. I, like like down five with ten seconds is a great example where if we don't score, it is over. Who cares if we get a breakaway dunk the other way? Because what happens now is it's changed in the I don't know how many years, but the back tap has become a real thing now in in basketball. Oh yeah, and so the guards will stay back on the perimeter because the guys are jumping up trying to. Like I remember when I was have one up, guy back. I remember when I was growing up, crash. it was like the one they would yell at you yeah. for playing volleyball. They called it when you're going up for a rebound, right? You go up and grab the rebound, and but now all these kids are being taught to go up. And tap it back to the guards to shoot a three. What happens if you couldn't jump high enough to do any of it? Okay. Well, that was always my problem. <laughs> so I would just, you know, elbow in the stomach. Now McKenzie's, uh, you know, producing in a way, but he's not on mic. Somehow he found a way to get his special brand <laughs> of assholeness into things. So this is what he puts up on the card, and I'm going to read it verbatim. It's why guards, and he has it in quotes, are called guards. In quotes. Now they both shouldn't be in quotes. <laughs> but that's fine. All right. Then he says, they get back and guard. But then he capitalized guard all three times, which makes no sense either. But okay. Well, forwards, and he says forwards like with an apostrophe. Yes. No, the forwards don't own anything. So stay forward. But no, it's forward a... <laughs> is spelled forward. Yeah. Well, I would play five forwards if I was down five with ten but, seconds but to play. This. He had like four grammatical errors in that, but it came out so condescending, doesn't it? Like he's talking to a child. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, he's right. But he's, right. Right. But he's wrong about the five grammatical errors. But that's yes. why the guards are in the backcourt and the forwards agree, are the frontcourt. To be fair, if, if his mic was on, we would have never known those Because you want to cover plus five and a half and you don't want to no, give away a breakaway. You think he would have said, quote, guards, end quote. He would have changed the intonation of his voice <laughs> to represent a quote. I have a question for you guys. On Come this on game. out a second. We'll let, he finally he won his way on mic. What is the probability that Kansas loses this game? I need a real number. Probability. Well, point, point five percent. Well, what's the money line? Minus five thousand. I think it's a bargain. I think it's oh, free Jesus. money. So, what were you thinking? How long did it take you to decide to send that? And how long did you spend on the quotes? When it comes to reading a more oral, it's about how it sounds, how it comes off. Because oh, when so you read it, it sounds read it. You know, huh? Like you don't go through what is what does this forward mean? You know what I mean? So you just sounded it. Why, if you think we know what you mean, why would you have to send this? The whole implication is you're saying there's an underlying foundational part of the game you're missing, guy. The, the forward, it's like a fun fact. People don't know that. A factoid. It's a factoid. All right. See you next week.
you know, it's funny. Once he started talking, it was like, oh, I get why he's off mic now. Now, I will say this. When he's a guest in SOVAM, he's an expert in NBA. He's good. It's when he's trying to figure where to fit in. That's the problem. Mm. Like, like how, when, how can, if I say this where I get some mic time? Yeah. You agree with that, AJ? I, uh, I don't know. I think McKenzie's been, I think he's gotten pretty good on mic. I, I agree, but I think it's freed him up. And I don't like a free McKenzie. Okay. I want I want McKenzie tight. Yeah. Nervous. No, 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 no. I don't want him nervous, but I don't want you know how it is, Faz. You ever be on a, you've been on shows for years. Initially you're a little in the back, you know, meaning let the host take the lead, keep the lead. You're subservient. Then you get confident and it's a partnership. I mean, the host is still in control, but it's a partnership. But then sometimes people can get like, oh, I've been, you know, I'm gonna try to take over. I, like when I think, I'm on Bern, the Bernie Fratto show. Yeah. And that's yeah. a great example where it's like I take liberties. Just because you've known him a long time. you get. But, you know, I've done that on most shows I've ever been on. Eventually, I get – but then I find I get a little too loose. Three oh, that fast times. show. No, I thought it was perfect. Three, three <laughs> fast times at Ridgemont High references an 11-minute hit. That's kind of high. But honestly, we we kind of provoked you to get more and more loose. Exactly. And you know why? Be, I think it was justified. Is Sometimes on Friday, I'll look at the clock, and it'll be like um, you know, 4.30 or something. I'll be thinking – these mofos wanted me to do a half hour at this point <laughs> after all David. I mean, that was mean. Sorry. <laughs> but you got, and the funny thing was, I did that show for like six years or whatever in Houston, and the segments got longer and longer, which is fine. That's a, that's a good sign, right? It's a sign we're doing well. And then we, eventually we had three of us doing it, like a whole sh- like side show. Uh. But here's what's interesting. You guys were making, let's just say six figures to host. Uh-huh. So if you just did the math and that you were three hours at a time. Yeah. So we were doing like one thirtieth of your show in a week. <laughs> yes. Effectively. So we should have gotten paid. I mean, just doing the math. Two, we should have got paid like six or seven thousand during that uh-huh. for, a, you know, only, well, I guess you had a pro ready for four, but I was doing it all year round. Yeah. And every year they'd be like, "Yeah, we're trying to get you some money. We think we might have a, you know." And I don't. I'm not a guy to worry about the two fifty or whatever, whatever. But you guys had it going on. That was good. You and Fred had me bamboozled. We, this I, is AJ Hoffman. Come on down. Well, look, look at the relationship. Car dealership <laughs> and buy that car and give me this nice check. Oh, it's a win for you, for you me, might, not you. I, well, I thought it was. I, I, I'm like, you must be smarter than I realize. Every angle, you're winning. <laughs> So, RJ, am I crazy to lay 5000 on the money line here? This would be the greatest upset, I would argue, in the history of Here's sports Here's what I would betting. say. Because of South's health, there's higher variance. Is there? Maybe what happens if he collapses on the sideline? Hmm. Well, in this case, in this day and age, we'd probably suspend the tournament for yeah. a week. If he, if he had heart pains or yeah. something. but It's a good point. I mean, it a does seem like may, maybe there's more There's more of a tail. I'm not saying him drop, you know, having a health problem. But who knows if he gets mad at the team because he's – because people – guys, from what I hear, I've been lucky. You know, as you move towards a certain age and then you have heart problems especially, they say that is something that guys get super – for some reason they're hyper-emotional. Like more than just someone that might get a cancer diagnosis or whatever – it, you know, because obviously at a certain age, the chances are at some point, or not at some point, you're going to get something that says, hey, it's about winding down. Now, his age, you wouldn't think that's happening yet. But apparently the heart stuff, guys get super emotional. Who knows? Right. So I would say if you're doing a bridge jumper, as they call it, I, I wouldn't want that. 
Plus, Self has had some real big upsets if you, these if, last if, two. If, if you told me you'd give me Howard two hundred to one, I would say screw you. That's I'm never that, that, that I'm just setting my and money. What do you on have fire. to lay fifty to one? Yeah. So what do you think the true odds are? Five hundred to one. You think two out of a thousand times Howard wins? One, one fifty six and one. And I tell you what, the uh, the but one guys, what the, was the average odds. It's been it, right it's, around this number, right around twenty. For 23, I think. So something to talk you off of this, Fez, like historically the MEAC is like a, one of the worst conferences in basketball, a disaster conference. Why would they name themselves that if they were any <laughs> <Exactly>. good? <laughs> this year, they're bad, but they're not like one of the bottom five. They're, so, But all I care about is how good Howard is. I don't care about the conference. Okay. Yeah, and they're how bad. Do you know how good they are, except for the conference. And I like that 145 total. This isn't like a Virginia 122 total. You know, here's the thing, Feds. You've been hot. I mean, like this year for even, you know, you've been on a run. Would you agree? You know, in my own betting, yes, but not for my service plays. All right, my but service plays haven't been as good. Which, again, there's sometimes your betting doesn't do as well. In this, I mean, it, last year, absolutely across the board. Yeah, so it averages out in the end. Yes. But I, I say this is more applicable to your betting. Mm hmm. Your bank rolls up and everything. The only thing that can really knock you down would be a big. I mean, like if you lost. Yeah, I don't know what. I would say if you bet it, bet an amount that if you lose, it's it's not a big deal. I, I like this. Yeah. Well, so, Fed's so caught a lot of grief on the Gonzaga pick a couple a couple weeks ago. I, I laid a thousand on Gonzaga against San Francisco. And they, they, and they, they, how, oh. they, won, they won. They won by they, they by like. So you got heat because you won money. I, I gave it out to my clients yeah. because I said this money line is light. They're twenty six and zero against San Francisco. They've they, they, the last fifty two games they played. They've lost four times and all four were at San Francisco and all four were just by really close in mm -hmm. overtime mm -hmm. games. I said San Francisco is never good enough to beat Gonzaga unless they're home. So basically. this is like an institutional bet in a way. Yeah. Right. And it was a 16-point favorite. And, and minus 1,000 was cheap. Yeah. And you won. Yeah. But the theory is it was close enough it was perceived to be a bad bet. Yes. See, that's the funny thing. If they anything, won by 11 but or 12. If it, and you got heat for that? Yeah. Here's the funny thing. The fact that you they didn't play their best and you still won kind of proved the point of what you were making. And had you bet the spread, you would have lost. Yeah. 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 But, but I would say this, and we talked about this in regards to um, – what were we talking about before? Another thing that was lay about a lot to win a little. Uh, in early in the pod, it came up. What was that about? The baseball? The yes, yes, oh, yes, 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 the minus 360, which now has been validated. Val yeah. But here's the thing. I like, I get where people are coming from. Those who are trying to be like watchdogs for touts that are doing, you know, bad things is if someone tries to have a one-loss record based upon wins and losses, even though they're laying the money line. Yes, I agree. Because what you can do is play a bunch of 150s and above, and you will have a usually, a, typically, a great record straight up, but you might be even minus money, right? So, like, at different points with hockey, you know, Scott, you keep it both, you know, the money line, you also keep the uh, units, and, like, I'll hear your units and go, man, so what's your lay price? That's the, that's the mm -hmm. question you got to understand. What's the lay and price? And Scott's really good at laying the puck line. He'll lay one and a half all the time. But I think you should have a freedom to lay more. Because here's the reason, though. One, it's people have sometimes used that. Scott certainly has not. And none of, no one pregame, we make everything so clearly available. It's not possible. But people have deceived across, you know, outside of pregame before in that regard. And number two, most losing newbie betters like to lay big favorites. And thus, 
And and here's the thing: you put three or four baseball favorites at minus two thirty together, or whatever, and now you're getting a plus money payout. People think, see, I'm not playing big favorites, but effectively you're paying the extra vig or whatever that's built in. You're paying more because yeah. now you can't shop for the best number. That's because you had to play at one play. That's right. So I think in general, if you told an average new batter, don't lay anything more than two to one, it probably would be good advice. It's a good basic strategy. Yeah, yeah. It's one of these don't do this at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. But a professional is looking at one thing. What's the true odds? And what do I have to lay? Like, I'm betting Tiger not to win the Masters. And you're laying what to what? I, uh, right now, 80 to win a dollar. He's okay. not going to win Because you think the, the odds are what? 1,000 to 1. See? So if who who in the right mind could say betting 80 to win a dollar is not a good bet, even though the odds are really 1,000 should win a dollar? But it's dangerous because it's hard to know those spots are right, and money management's hard. Right, it's confusing yeah. how to, exactly. Know. And a good rule of thumb is if if if, if you're used to betting a thousand dollars on something, just risk a thousand. I don't care; it only pays twenty bucks. You know that you can't get hurt if you're risking your normal risk size. And you know how? Oh, go ahead, and then I'm going to close. Well, I was going to ask you, Fez, like if after day one of the Masters, Tiger's tenth, do you find a way to hedge? There is no, no way to hedge. No, because I mean, exactly. Be, by hedging, you're betting on Tiger from the rest of the way. So, yeah, you could minimize your chance of a loss, but you'd be guaranteeing a loss. And my whole handicap would be that Tiger's going to fade. That, it's going to yeah. be too hard for him to like put okay. to, string together four good days. So, of do golf. you think maybe if someone didn't want to do that, but they think let's oh, hope he has a good first I round, I like where you're going, and then fade him? You think they'll have that bet? No, Tiger, no. After no, one? what you can yes, do? Yes, they, they they will have a yes, you, no on Tiger. Think, oh, they will on each. Note. Okay, because yes. I was gonna say the other way to do it is just to bet the over on his score. Yeah, but that because he's gonna have a bad score. Um, it, it's true, but I yeah. think like within the range of the like the tail, it's like the, the Tiger Woods can at this point cannot play well enough. Even if he even if he has his four standard deviation po- on the positive mm-hmm. round for a tournament, he will finish fifth. So he this cannot is, get to first. This is a lot like so. This is a powerful concept. What needs to happen for Tiger to win? And it's more. You might say, well, if it's sixty to one, or what would his odds be to win? You think? Uh, 50 to 1. All right. So 50 to 1 is being offered. And you might say his over under for the round is, uh, I don't know, 70 and a half or whatever. Yeah. 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 They're, with typical golfers, 70 and a half would equal whatever on the payout, right? With Tiger, it's going to equal a lot less on the payout because the, the pool that's betting the future, you know, the single golfer to win a future is going to be more Tiger centric. And you're saying that whatever that correlation typically is, it'd be even worse for Tiger because of fatigue. Yes. Yeah. So I actually like. And there's always going to be people like you got to bet the greatest of all time at fifty to one. I there's going to be there's going to be money. Yes, money on Tiger. The books will all tell you if Tiger Woods wins this tournament, we're we're going to lose a million dollars. That's what yeah. they say every major now. That was funny though. Years ago, the first time on Fox we were doing national stuff, we had three. We had <laughs> three hours on the weekend, right? One hour on uh, Friday and two hours on Saturday. I can't remember, or vice versa. Uh, and Steve Cofield, local host here, was with us mm-hmm. doing those shows. And Steve liked to, be, you know, he he never thought himself to be a professional, but he enjoyed batting, right? And I, I think and for he host, understood the betting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying he was he was elite. Or is elite understanding betting as a host, but he never thought he was a professional batter, which I like. He was realistic and he was, you know, good at everything he did. Uh, when you know, meaning speaking at the time we were together, and I've always I've been a big fan of his show locally from the time. I, I, 
You know, it's funny. I think it was pretty much when I moved here, which would have made him very, because him and uh, Dave Koken had a show way back when uh, that I remember. You know, funny thing on that one, Koken, they were at a strip club, right? Doing like one of those, uh, you know, sponsored mm -hmm. visits. And Dave Kogan's talking about, like, say, some quarterback back in whatever, 2000. And he goes, and then, uh, you know, Vince Young. And he goes, holy camole. <laughs> and literally, he stops in the middle of a sentence and goes, could you believe that? Like, I mean, I, it was unbelievable. Did <laughs> like, he have that raspy voice yeah, back then? It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that's being comfortable on air right there. <laughs> but, but anyway, Fez was doing the show with us, and somehow Cofield, he wanted to bet Tiger. And he identified Tiger had a renaissance. Tiger had been slumping, and yeah. he, got, he got much better. And there was a he period was trending of time up, yeah. in the majors, and RJ did the study on this. Over four majors. Over four majors, he was like the best golfer in the world. If you added up the four scores, mm -hmm. which would be like the best representation in theory of how good you are, he had the lowest score over the four and, majors. And each one of them, or three of the four, I gave Cofield some ridiculous now, so let me number. Let me, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. you're going to kill this yeah, story. Yeah, go ahead. Like, so what was great about it, with the first time Fez says... Like, uh, Kofi goes, yeah, I'm going to bat something on Tiger. And usually Kofi will defer to us, but this was one where he said, you know, I, I just, Feds goes, I I'll book it. He goes, all right, what do you give me? So they do a quick bet, and it was like maybe $50 to win whatever. And I'm right? giving them better, best number in the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, but since there's like 40% vig in those numbers, yes. you're only taking 20% vig. That's right. Which for him was a good bet, right? Yes. Well, somehow the first one, Tiger like plays really well. He's competitive up until even the last day he drops off. So come the next, he loses. So the next Friday, Cofield pulls out his wallet and he pulls out like two 20s that look like I haven't seen the light of day for a long time, <laughs> like a taped up 10, and he hands it to Fez. Fez just puts his pocket like, like, uh, like uh, a cup of water into the ocean, right? <laughs> so, so then, to make a long story short, the next two tournaments, Cofield bets again, and Tiger's like tied for the lead. Like it's the closest you could come to not winning a tournament. And Cofield loses all three of them. He's down like 150. Fez just has the, and it was like it's good to be Fez. Because he had you had the worst of every and one he, of them. He would have won for like five thousand. And, and, <laughs> and, and I remember he was like so mad when I told him, Oh, you must have been sweating. And I, and I told him I was hiking, you know what? No, I was you hiking. No, you were taunting him. I was like, no, I was like, I was hiking in Red Rock. I, I just <laughs> I just I just clicked after you know when it got home and I saw he didn't him. win. You were taunting. I'm like him. who who won you know the uh, the, the PGA ah, Tiger didn't win. Good, <laughs> finished third or something. Wasn't that a better story than Fez? Was a good story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next game, we got uh, Illinois, Arkansas, Arkansas, favored by two initially. Two and a half is the current number. Uh, still lean to Arkansas. Uh, these two teams are very similar. They're both teams who. Th they're they're big. They thrive on defense. Both mediocre offensive teams, bad free throw shooting teams. Bad. Arkansas had a good run last year, right? In they the did. Corner? Yeah, uh, got to the elite eight. Musselman's very good coach. Good recruiters, the theory, right? But not as great of a game coach. Uh, he's right. Both, I well, think. he's got he's got three guys who are probably first round picks. Two of them probably lottery picks on this team. Well, that sounds like they should be one of the best teams in the country. <laughs> exactly. But yet somehow they're not. So I tend to agree with you. Muscleman, excellent recruiter. So-so, eh, X's and O's. Before the last couple of years, would you have said he was a good X's and O's coach? Yes. Then that tells me it might be something about the players or one or two of them. It might be when you when you change the caliber of player that you get, you kind of take away some of the coachability of them. Yeah. Like you give up some coachability. Let, let's be honest. Talent. If you're elite physically coming out of high school in basketball and you can pick your school, you're usually picking – 
Duke or you know one of the one of the places where the theory is you're going to be amongst the best players and it's a good institution, good school, you know that kind of thing, right? Wouldn't you agree? Although with NIL, I'm, that's changing certainly. And I want to play, and I want to play for an up-tempo coach. I don't want to go to Virginia. That's I don't want to play. Point. I don't want to play at Michigan State. Actually, you know. But even if you think you're an NBA player, what yeah, that's you, a good point. Were... Michigan State certainly has had that success, but I'd much rather play for Iowa than Penn State. You know, I'd much rather play for an up-tempo coach. Because the theory is people look at scoring, and, and even the NBA does, even and they don't account for pace as much as they should. Yeah. I, so continue. Uh, what I will say is Illinois can't hurt Arkansas where they're weakest. The, the Arkansas's weakness on defense is that they're, they're not a great three-point shooting defense. Illinois stinks at shooting. 331st So do we like the under here maybe? Yes. Yeah, I like the under. Under 144 is my favorite play think, on this. I think that's good. Uh, Arkansas doesn't want to play offense in the half court. Uh, they want to get out and run. Illinois, though, excellent rim rim protection team. So uh, I think this is a dogfight to get points. I don't love a side here, but I, I, do, right. I do like the under. RJ, I don't have a trend on this, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry that I don't. No, but, right. but empirically, the closer to pick them a game is, the more it seems like games go under because it's almost like a boxing match. In the match. tournament in general? In, 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 no, in, in all games, but especially in the tournament. They're feeling each other out. Exactly, because it's almost like— So do like, we look at first half under? Yes. It, it sure seems like there was one year that Dayton played DePaul, and it was like a pick em game, and it was like two, three to two at the first media timeout. I think that game went triple overtime, went over. Um so and, there's one, Fez. If someone wanted to be critical of Fez, they could say, like, get a tape of it and go, here's what Fez considers analysis. There was one game I remember <laughs> once where it was 3-2 with some time left. Well, but it was representative. I, I, no, no, yes. I, I, I know. It just shows you how you can pick it anyway. It could be a select memory. Yeah, okay. but no, no, that too. But I'm saying in general when people – that hate, media people seem to hate on each other more than anything I've ever True. seen. It, privately, they hate each, They think they're, everyone's stealing everyone's takes. Everyone, And to me, I think anyone can sound bad in a given clip, right? Calling sure. whoever, no matter how good you are. And I, that seemed like a perfect one. You're so analytical, but it's like once there was a 3-2 score. But but, but all things being equal, I understand if, if you give me a 9 a.m. early start time on a pick em game and a half-empty arena and I like under. This one's 130 yeah, start 130. Pacific. But let's talk about this as a first half bat. Is there any reason you don't like the first half under? No. AJ? No. Okay, so the total opened up, and Scott, if you can get current number for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we are. Mackenzie's helping on the screen. Uh, it looks like the current number, or the first half number is 67 is the current number, and it's 143.5 for the game, and it opened up at 144. So it's gone down a half a point, and go back to the first half. So 67. So if it's 143, what do you expect for the first half? 67 and a half. So we don't, we're, we're right in line then. Yeah, we're getting rooked by half a point. Well, there's a couple 67 and a halves out there. There Caesars, we go. Okay. Caesars has it. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's stop and take an accounting where we are with the show. All right. So one, I think the naked side, the two naked sides that we like the best, one favorite, one dog. Furman is the dog. That's the best bet from Mr. A.J. Hoffman. We got Houston. Now, Fez disagrees with it, but he's so against any favorites. I'm just very stubborn. I like to bet what isn't supposed to be the right bets, but I want them to be right. All right, so Houston, we'll call that's our favorite special. Now, we have the Fez special, which is Auburn and under in the first half. 
And that's a correlated parlay, we believe. So yep. we want to do both of those. Okay. AJ has a team total over 83 Kansas. Kansas's team total over 83. And now we've got a first half under, all by its lonesome, Illinois, Arkansas under. And uh, that's going to be 67 and a half. I like the card so far. I do too. This is the way. It's only Thursday. This is the way you make the sausage, baby. Okay, we move on. We've got four games left. Missouri, Utah State. Now, we've got a special guest, Griffin Warner. That's what he says his name is. Is that correct? <laughs> it's a guy I do the college basketball podcast with. He's got a best bet for he us. He does. Let's listen in. Hey, this is Griffin Warner, the real underscore G Warner on Twitter. Thank you for reaching out to AJ and I about the college basketball podcast. Someone thought that my handle was at Griffin. I would love that. I'm sorry it's not. Um, for my best bet for this episode, I'm going to go with Missouri Tigers getting two points from Utah State. Two teams that love to shoot the three, love to run and gun. But I think there's a big athleticism advantage for the Missouri Tigers. They aren't great on the defensive glass, but Utah State isn't really a team that goes for the glass. Um, there's going to be a lot of three-point shots in this game. And I just, I'm just i not sure that Utah State is going to be good enough against a high-level athlete from a, a power conference. Uh, Utah State, I'm happy that they got in the tournament, and they could be dangerous against teams that I think that they're inferior to as underdogs. But it's a little weird to see them as a two-point favorite to a, a solid Missouri team that will get in your face and might be the better three-point shooting team overall. Uh, take Missouri plus two and uh, get off to a great start in this NCAA tournament. Okay, now listen, this to me, I agree with everything he's saying. And I think the driver of this is the is the spread. Meaning if you told me, hey, Missouri's favored by four, like they would have been in 15 years ago. Like that's an interesting question. As you look at Missouri and Utah State 15 years ago, Missouri's favored by four. Directionally, I think you're right. Well, I think, you think I'm right? or you know, No, what I said is you think directionally I'm right or you know I'm right directionally? I know you're right directionally. Right, yeah, right. I'm, so it's only a matter of semantics. So would it be three or four, two and a half? You're right. Yes. I mean, it does. Missouri is the name brand and they'd be favored. Yeah. And I mean, I, listen, I bet the tournament with both fists for a long time. The Utah State's the world were never favored. I mean, the, like yeah, you're right. In the 80s. I mean, I was like 15 years old betting. They would have been six. I mean, I'm, I don't know anything about Missouri. I'm saying in general, when a big team played a— When the Richmond Spiders were playing the Indiana Hoosiers, the yes. Hoosiers were laying eight. So in that and one— They lose Richmond, outright. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I think sometimes—and you know what I've noticed? And, Steve, this is something I want your opinion on, because you deal with the hoi polloi of handicappers more than I do. I pick my guys, and hoi polloi? I don't, I'm unfamiliar with what it means. I'm familiar. I don't know what it means. So. It, it, let's just say it's the uh, unwashed. Mm, I'm trying to think which one in particular would be the most unwashed. <laughs> well, the fact that the, the thought comes to your head is a sign. It's probably a good use of the I'm thinking about this guy named Alf Mosqueda. Oh, is he? Is Alf still? I know. I've known him. He was a. Uh, isn't he the guy that did all the Olympic betting? Yeah. Like, oh, yes. And he was. He like, was a nice guy. He, you know, his number one analysis. I actually had lunch at Wise's with him and one other person. I can't remember who it was. Good deli. Um, yeah. He, he was like, Fez. It doesn't matter what they're ranked. Whoever wins. Whoever wins the qualifying time wins the gold medal it's like it, it's predictive in the olympics it, and was it, he right always it was like the number 20 seed if she has the fastest qualifying time she's going to win the the, the so finals the, so you won a lot of money from that one tip uh no because it's so hard to get down but he had the right outs he, he was is alf still with us 
Yeah, he lost like 100 pounds. Alf is like okay. playing in a band somewhere for, for recreationally and betting still. So yeah. it's like Keanu Reeves had his band. It's like after all his Olympic wins, he's just now tours the country. He retired and he just he's, he's just on the Alf. Let's get a tour. I, I, see, there's a, Scott, there's a pot. It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> this to me, the line is crazy. I mean, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but the point I was making about the Hoy Poloi Fez was. People don't want to not be in the know. I've seen this phenomenon since legalization. I never saw it before. You, For me, I'm very comfortable saying, I don't know college basketball. I'm going to sit and I'm going to ride AJ. I'm going to try to fade biases I see. But I don't know. People aren't comfortable saying that. The old school batters, they could be one of the, like the seventh best uh Deuce the seven low ball player in the world, and they say, ah, that's not my game. Mm. Not just they were trying to hustle you. They truly believe, hey, I know a few guys better than me. I don't care that I'm the seventh best in the world. The new people want to be right, and they want to be knowledgeable about everything, and it causes them to follow. I've seen more run where – what was the – so the opener here was – was Utah State favored? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ken Palm has Utah State minus four. Huh. And I think that's really interesting oh, that because is interesting. these two teams are very, they got here in very different ways. So Mizzou has seven wins over top 50 Ken Palm teams, only one loss to a non-tournament team all season, but they're 51st in Ken Palm. So not analytically loved, mostly due to some bad defensive metrics. Utah State has basically beaten no one, but their analytics are fantastic. Like their offensive analytics specifically are fantastic. Do you have any sense of how good these Ken Palms have been in the tournament? Because I think whenever you have a, a rating system, it's ability to assess the strength of schedule. And that means of each team and the teams they play, because that's how you get a strength of schedule. And it becomes a chicken and the egg element to some degree. Like what you got to have a kernel of knowledge in order to build upon that kernel. Right. And I think whenever you have these, in, I think in conference, I'm guessing Ken Palm's a lot better than out. Though I haven't done the study, though. Um, Fez, since the numbers in Ken Palm are so lined up, how, what do you hear about Ken Palm? I mean, it's a given now, kind of like there's that golf, not golf odds, but golf data or something that like when the golf numbers open. And then this one website puts out information. The lines move. Boom. On. Yeah, I've, heard about, I've okay. heard about this. Yes. Yeah. It's like Ken Palm's become that in so, basketball. So of the last 14 NCAA tournaments, only five of the 56 teams uh, ranked outside the top 20 in Ken Palm went to the final four. Right, so, so four teams a year, and he's got 20 to get them. So, <sighs> so only five of 56 that went to the final four were not in Ken Palm's top 20. Yeah, but if you're picking... If you're picking four and you have 20 to pick, I wonder, I mean, I guess we could do the math on what the true odds would be. To, you know, like what would it be if it was ran, not random? 8.9% is what it is of since, since oh. in the last 14 tournaments that are not in the top 20 in Kempo. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, you're just taking that number. I'm just taking the number, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What, you got any thoughts? My initial thought stream of consciousness is that I'd rather have like so top twenty is like a six seed or worse, right? So would I rather have or the twenty four, f- right? It would be six. Yes, yeah, so one through five would be top twenty. Yeah. Okay, so the, at the six seed, that's the point of demarcation. Um, an eighth or ninth seed, really? I, they, no, that's interesting. So that's a great way to think about it. How many seeds worse than a five? Made the final four. I'm not saying you have that right in front of you. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. And then how many of 
Ken Palms, because if you just play chalk, you'd have the top five seed. Would I rather have all the four and fives or all the six through 16s to win the title? Seems about comparable to me. Oh, now that's interesting. Four and fives. I think I want the four and the fives, but not by a great margin. I think you're probably right. Though lately, I'd say this year, the least, I, I think this is the most open tournament. Yeah. Then would I rather have the threes or the four and fives? I think that's comparable also. Yeah, for some reason, I've seen more four. You know why fours, I think, do better than you think? Is if they do beat the one, well, I guess they don't play the one until the lead eight. So where I'm going here is that if I got one one time the six through 16s win. Oh, wait, no. You play the four. One play the four. In the, the one plays the fours, yeah. 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 So, so if you win that one, real quick, is... Then the theory is you get an easier Your path elite. is open. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. So one time the four through five, four or five wins. One time the three wins. Two times the two wins, and I'd say four times the one wins. So I would say one ninth of the time. Wow, that's too high. But maybe one ninth of the time, I'm back of the envelope. A six through sixteen. Would so be. I got the the final four appearances by seeding mm-hmm. since they when they started doing seeding in, in 1979. Oh, is, yeah. All right, all right. So obviously the top. Four seeds have the most appearances, but if you want, like, what do you want to know? Like, how, percentages? Well, I was interested during the year. You know what I can do? I've got a database of this stuff. I'll look at it for tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I'm interested to see how Ken Palm did versus if you just took the top five seeds, because that would be 20 teams. That'd be the top yeah. 20 teams right. by the committee, in theory, right? Yep. So I bet there was only a couple teams he had. Only, in- o- o- well, only eight five seeds have gone to the final four. So like the numbers drop off significantly oh, after yeah. four seeds. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I, I guess my point is, and then we'll move on here, is if I, if I was doing a chalk version of this, like what's my top twenty? I mm-hmm. could just say, give me the all the four seeds and or five seeds or better. That's the best twenty teams. Yes. Now, how did they do in final four appearances versus Ken Palm's top twenty? The only difference would be Ken Palm's top twenty teams that aren't in the top four. Those teams would be the ones that the bet would be decided on, or or the competition or whatever. It'd be interesting. Yeah. But it'd only be a couple of teams, so I'm not sure it tells us all that much. Continue. In the last 25 years, Fez, there's been one four seed who won the tournament. There's been one six or greater seed. That was the year Connecticut won as a seven. Every other team has been a one, two, or three. I'm probably way underestimating the ones because even though like maybe only one and a half ones make the final four, then they they probably do better. Six of the last seven champions have been one seed. Yeah, that's what eight I'm of the last 14 champions were the number one rated Ken Palm team. Hmm. Now, what's interesting is. General parity has increased. No doubt. This but, year more than ever. But there's never been a run ever since 85 or 79. 85 is when they went to 64. There's never been a run of ones winning this much. I mean, I know, because it was about 50 50 before this run. Like it was half the time Even the ones were. There's way more parity. Yeah. And the ones were just clobbering the 16s. Like, yeah. Kind of makes sense. The super programs feel, I feel like they've distanced themselves a little. Now, with Coach K gone, with Kentucky trending down, maybe not as much now, right? But a couple years ago, Duke was rolling, North Carolina was rolling. I mean, Kentucky was rolling. Kansas, yeah. All, yeah. All the blue bloods were, were hot. But I think that in the middle, it all, it all, there's more parity, right? And this year, wouldn't you say the older teams from the smaller conference or the teams from the smaller conferences, the 12s, the 13s, the 14s, they're older, super they, experienced. Yep, which is most big. of them took advantage of COVID years. Like they're, they're a lot of fifth, sixth year guys. And you don't have the super teams like that Florida team with Noah. It uh-huh. was just like laying six against Michigan State in the finals, the two seed. Yeah, they you know, won two in a row. I think they beat yeah. Ohio State. Yep. 
Yeah. I don't like that. I was flying back somewhere watching it on like JetBlue. I've never <laughs> flown JetBlue since. So, so RJ, you think uh, you, you think Utah State's too cool for school to be favored? The fact it opened here tells me maybe I'm just wrong about mm. this being an example. But I think you can go down the list and say, the, and we have, I mean, Virginia only being five against Furman. I'm not saying Furman's not the right side. I'm saying that feels short. And as we go through here, I'm not so sure this side of the bracket has as many of them. Let me take a quick look tomorrow. Now this and some, got, something to consider also is we talked about this earlier, the Mountain West and their struggles in the first round. Mm-hmm. And I generally like San Diego State and Boise because they've got more athletic teams than they've taken to the tournament in the past. Utah State does not. Utah State's team is not an athletic. This is an old so school. What, do you have a lean on this or a like on this? I, yeah, I think that at this you number know we're now, do a lean or like? Yeah, getting to getting to points on like getting the points now has to be the lean. All right, so it's what team is that? Missouri. Okay. Now, you do a bad geography or good geography going for the Mountain West in this, um, in Sacramento. You've got two West Coast teams, Utah State, I count them as West, and Boise, I count them as West. You know, certainly having the, you know, the travel advantage and the crowd advantage. The crowd will cheer for the, for the team that's further West. Utah State, historically terrible in the NCAA tournament. They've lost nine straight tourney games. They're 1 in 18 in their last 19 NCAA tournament games. Now that now straight the fact, up the fact they're favored, yeah, that that's a, a very salient point. Hmm. Drake is only a one point underdog against Miami tomorrow. Kent State. Wait, only, wait, wait. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. It was three. Are three and sure? a half. Are we sure it's down to one? Well, the opener was Miami minus one. Okay, so it's, well, yeah, well, it's, it's that's it. Now that's interesting. Two, two, that they two and a half, and uh, there is a two on the board. Okay, that's, all right. Yeah. So it went up a little bit, but but they opened at one. Yeah. Right? Um, Kent State's only five against Indiana plus four and five. a half. Yeah. So I'm not saying and that's fours. wrong. I'm saying that doesn't seem if we if you had someone teleport from 1989, this seems crazy. Yes. Um, and be, to be clear, I'm not talking about how good Drake is or Miami, Florida. From 1989, I'm saying five. Look 12, at the record. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Seven, the fives laying seven. Now I hear Eight. a lot. I mean VCU. Well, I guess St. Mary's is not that big. I I own it. Okay, I'm just seeing a few here. Memphis. Uh, Memphis is pick them against Florida or open pick them against Florida Atlantic. Yeah. I mean Memphis is Memphis know, is just a team that cl- clobbered you. I mean it's key. It's moving. I mean, this is pretty crazy. Uh, let, let me see. If well, Florida, Florida Atlantic won 31 games. Like, well, every, I mean, yeah, and they would have been nine-point underdogs not that long ago is kind of my point. Yeah. I mean. I'm, well, I'm just saying Florida Atlantic's not like from – they're not from a low major. They're, they're from Conference USA. Like, it's a legit – Well, that's not one of the top six conferences. No. But, they're, like, there's the top conferences. Mm-hmm. There's mid-majors, like the MAC, Missouri Valley, yeah, Sunbelt, Conference USA. And then there's low-majors. A lot of these teams, like uh, uh, the Colonial, like th- those those types of teams are coming from low, bad, bad conference. Let's keep a, a close eye on these Mountain West teams as they start to play, and I do think that there's correlation here. That if if, um, one, if, if a couple of them are if San terrible. Diego State you know loses outright to Charleston, I think that's a sign that you want to bet against. If all San Diego of them. State is bad, then the rest of the Mountain West is going to be a disaster. San Diego State was a clear class of the conference by the end of conference play, and that's the first game. Oh, no, it's the first game in rotation, but it's an early game. It's a game. noon game. It's the second game Thursday. Be a good indicator. Utah State plays yes. before them. I think it's a great leading indicator. All right, so Griffin has his pick, Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Utah which State's Griffin's first. fading Utah State here. Yep. And you say lean. Lean. Towards? Mizzou. 
Okay. Is that a respect out of Griffin? I think you would have leaned Utah State if it wasn't for Griffin. I, I've gone back and forth on this game. Yeah. Some of it is respect, but Mizzou hasn't won a, a tournament game in a long time. This is not a good this is Well, not a Utah good State program. hasn't won right. on Yeah, if we're going That's serious a 10 history. 10.40 a.m. Pacific time start in Sacramento. That's a morning game. This is, uh, I'd look towards the under. Yep. First half 155 at the first half under, game under. I mean, so this is 10:40 a.m. Pacific. Wake up and get to the arena. And you're saying both okay. What are we at? 73 and a half? For the first half. I won't play an under on this game. You don't like no. it? Nope. They, I, they, these, I two, these two teams are uh, they're really good offenses, really bad defenses. Mm. All right. Princeton, Arizona. Princeton, McKenzie says the posers. That's what he likes to call them. Arizona favored by 14. 14 and a half. All right. Current number. Uh, lean Arizona minus 14 and a half. They're just – Princeton does not fit the profile well of the Ivy League team that's going to spring an upset. They were not the best team in the Ivy. Uh, we talked about it. Yale would have been a 13 seed. Princeton drops down to the 15 line. They didn't play against a Power 6 team all season long. Now they're about to see this ultra-athletic Arizona team. I think they're going to be overwhelmed. The problem is Arizona's beat up. We talked about that in the uh, the injury section. Kirk Kreese shooting left-handed free throws. Omar Ballo has a, a, a broken hand. Princeton's going to count on their bigs to slow down Ballo and Tubelis, who Tubelis, by the way, grades as the seventh-best player in the country by Ken Palm. Not many teams are equipped to handle two high-end bigs. Princeton's no exception. Their bigs are 6'8". Uh, they're, they're the two most important players, Tucson Ebuan and Keyshawn Kelman. They, they're key to what they do offensively, but they're going to be in foul trouble trying to hold on to these two monsters. So, uh, And the other thing that makes me dislike Princeton, unlike previous Princeton teams that have had tournament, uh, at least semi-success covering the spread, those teams played slow. This team... They play at too high of a tempo. If they could take the air out of the ball, maybe they could hang. I, I think over the course of 40 minutes, Arizona just kind of runs away from them. I so. want to I want to fade Princeton off the Sunday upset win, and now they're in the tournament, and boom, they got to go all the way out to the West Coast, Sacramento, big Arizona um, home court advantage. But you know what? Arizona with that nice run in the Pac-12 tournament, that emotional win against UCLA, that's not a good spot to fade. These guys either want to fade both teams and they're playing each other. The over 9-2 and two in Princeton's last 11 games. Although, and, we, and we know Arizona loves to score. Well, they want although to I'm going to – let's put an asterisk by that 9-2. and two. So Princeton, there was a, the, the total was 138 and a half. And there's 120 points with 48 seconds left, and they scored 19 points in the final 48 <laughs> seconds. So it's really eight and three. Uh, all right, eight and three, still good for, and, and you have an over team in Arizona that's going to run up the score. So two games to go, Boise Northwestern. My cats. Northwestern opens up two point favor. One at the South Point, one and a half everywhere else. There actually is a two on the board still. Fascinating. Well, you got AJ. I like Boise here. Uh, Ike. I'm, I'm surprised to see money coming in on Northwestern. This opened a pick, but a lot of that could be that general bias against the Mountain West. You know, again, I'm not. I'm not going to fight against it. But Northwestern sucks on offense. The only thing they do well is they don't turn the ball over and they make free throws. Of course, they don't. You mean fundamental basketball. Of course, they don't get to the free throw line. So free throw, their free throw percentage means nothing because their free throw rate is terrible. Uh, Boise doesn't play for steals defensively, so they're going to be happy to, to dare Northwestern to find a shot they can actually make, and I just don't believe they can. Boise can shoot. They can defend. They've had success playing up. They went 3-0 and against Power 6 opponents this season, all three wins by double digits. 
including a winner over the SEC runner-up, Texas A&M. Um, Boise's big weakness is depth, and that doesn't matter in one game. So uh, I, I like Boise here to advance. So what were you surprised by? The <clears throat> mo- it opened up Northwestern 2, and the money's been on Boise. It's lo- it's no, the, what I saw was Boise, it opened a pick, and uh, Northwestern took money well, today. I, I might, might be wrong, but when I saw it, uh, the circle I, line that came out was a pick. Well, but we already figured out. I know. So, uh, you, you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or he's trying to be all diligent. Go ahead. The money was on Boise, and it got bet down from two down, down to pick them. And then a well named, a well um, supported handicapper in the industry gave out Northwestern, and it went from pick to one and a half to two immediately. And then there, and, and then some books tried to go to two, and there was immediate buyback. There's support for Boise amongst the general betters at plus two. They won't stand for it being. So any, when we say general betters, we mean general professionals. Professional too. betters want Boise plus two, and one big name guy moved it when it hit pick, and that's why Northwestern suddenly took all this support. Boise all State eighteen has, seconds, uh, not won an NCAA tournament game. Zero and eight all time. They don't need to win. Just cover. They just so need this, to lose by one. So this brings up an interesting point. Quickly is, in general, lines can go up. They can go down. Eh? That's a good point. Now, is there's going to be times that the, it opens here, and then you look deeper, and it's like, yeah, but it opened 20 minutes after this place, and it got bet up to. You just have to have a protocol of what you consider, because we can debate. To me, if you just want a clean number, when the third book opens, a half hour after that, or what, I, come up with a time and say, let the mark or 10 minutes. Third book opens 10 minutes later. They've had a chance to settle. Whatever that line is, is an early opinion. Or you might think whoever has the most balls to put the world opener out, we want to know what that number was. But you just got to pick. So, AJ, I think starting from here, South Point was the first Vegas book. I think we just let that be the opener. Okay. Now, if you saw something else, meaning you saw the circuit number, that's part of the story. Okay. But it's not the opener. Okay. And I think it's I fair. To, there's, there's one group that really likes Northwestern if they can get pick them. And there's another group that really likes Boise if they can get plus two. And I'll say this. In general, if there's a public handicapper that's getting it, I mean, I'll give you an example. When Colin was rolling with his great example, his picks, and uh, you know, we would do that weren't segment. Those your picks? No, 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 no. I, honestly, they weren't. And just you know, I've heard that a bunch. Is uh, Colin would get my thoughts during the week, but he listen. He had a lot of games I didn't like at all, and that's when I disagree with him. You know, but he I, was aware. I remember he would say stuff yeah. like, "Oh, this is the one you're not going to like, RJ." And it didn't seem like he'd had more than one very often. Well, listen, I hopefully had yeah. an influence on him. I, I mean, look at you. You're a much better capper after. No, I'm joking. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, <laughs> um, uh, what do we? Oh. The lines wouldn't move. I mean, there'd be movement on his stuff because he had a huge radio show. I mean, it was like it was like maybe a year and a half, like half of one season and the, most of the next. And listen, you actually look at, I don't know, the last two years or whatever, but if you actually look at his numbers throughout those years, they were well, I mean, they were good. Yeah. I mean, he had a good instinct for it or has a good instinct for it. Um, but anyway, if my choice is to bet with a bunch of, $2,000 to $5,000 game batters that are collectively saying two's too much, plus two. And there's one guy who maybe has an oversized, like Colin was hugely oversized, meaning he didn't have, he wasn't betting these picks, but somehow he influenced the market, right? Is someone who's betting the picks but is influencing the market double or triple as much because they have a following, 
in theory, that's something to fade once it gets to its extreme point. I'm not saying I'd want to bet against a pro who at his originated number, but you were saying the game was bad at pick? Northwestern at pick. And it went up to two. And then boy, immediate, give me some Boise plus two. And and the against the opener, immediate Boise plus two the pros took. So let me ask you a question. Imagine there was a, a, a chicken that pecked out, and based on what it pecked out on the tic-tac-toe board, it would make a pick. That there Clucko. is one, Clucko the chicken. He's right. one of the top ten CBS sports analysts out there. They always give. I don't his think picks. analysts would be the way to say. That's that's the way they say right. it. Okay. <laughs> do they have an exclusive with Clucko? They is do. They oh do. God. All right. So <laughs> Clucko's getting the good. It might be Yahoo. I could be mistaken. I think it is. Yahoo. I think it is Yahoo. I'm All right. Sorry. So let's follow this. Imagine if Clucko started moving the numbers. Like when Clucko came and said, <laughs> Clucko says, I like. Holy shit, you see what that chicken picked? Exactly. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, so um, what would you do, Fez? If the line was pick them, and Clucko said, I like, <laughs> I guess in this case it'd be Northwestern, Northwestern, and the line went to two, what would you bet? I'd bet plus two in Boise. All right, now, I'm not saying any professionals Clucko, right? He's one of a kind, Clucko. But what I'm saying is if you had, Clucko would have zero legitimate effect on the market and he was moving the market two points in this case. If someone's betting would move at one, but it moves two because of an oversized effect, that's something to typically fade. Exactly right. So the bottom line, I like to put percentages on. So let's say Northwestern Pickham is a 53% play. All right. Well, now Northwestern minus one becomes a 50 one percent play and northwestern minus one and a half becomes a 49 percent play and northwestern minus two becomes a 47 percent play guess what boise just swung into profitable status yeah but here's the thing though a guy might hit 54 percent on always plays on any given play it's no guarantee it's 53 it's a little leap of faith yeah. Yeah, yeah and which means if it's just if it's if that's a 50 percenter then and what be, and what if it was only 51 percent that we're starting out with and boom we're picking up six percent that's the other what I'm way saying. Yeah. it just became a 45 percent play at northwestern minus two which means you know give me give me give me some boise state even though that conference never wins and the theory is if you're a professional yourself and you like the other side that means the odds that he's wrong the the clucko person in this case that on the initial pick goes up because you're contrary to him That's so by right. definition you're 54 percent long so now it gets interesting and even if clucko's right and it's a 54 percent play it's still not a horrible mistake to take boise back now it's only 52 percent play and so you know you're 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 almost breaking even even if you're wrong so let's tie this back to when i was saying the line ran down to 10 and a half and i thought it was unbattable okay mm. my thinking is if the market's moving it like that it's not one person with an oversized amount on it or amount of influence then i'm thinking i'm going against the wisdom of crowds to some degree and i don't feel like i don't think they're necessarily wrong and thus the best i'm doing is betting one number further than they were willing to bet it the other way which doesn't allow me at minus 110 to to win but the whole premise here is the movement's oversized and thus that's why it could be something to exploit yeah so if and in this game in particular i think it was the lafayette it's it's plus 13 and you're just saying hey that couldn't have been a 65% bet maybe it was a 58% bet so boom it becomes a 54% bet at plus 12 now that we get down to 11, it's already 50%. Now we're below 11. Well, now we got to start looking at Tennessee. One last word. And this is going to be pretty intense. Not intense, impactful. Balls. What are the, what's the chance that if you have an oversized effect on the market, 
that you manipulate the market through that mechanism. And you know what? It only makes sense that you would. I wouldn't. And when I say manipulate the market, it's like, but I guess maybe there is, if that were the case, maybe it isn't right, you know, because when I say it makes sense that you would, yeah, you'd be tempted. But the theory is people are betting, you know, you know, I mean, that you think about it the way it would go, right? What would Billy do, right? Billy would tell his people, bet X, Team X, but who would he tell that? He would tell the people that were more known as his guys, where he, they were faces there. Mm. And maybe they were, he, Billy, allegedly, had a good sense of when a guy, a big better, was going to get burnt through. That It was like, he's about at the end. Let's give him a loser because it can give him a little extra time. He's playing that like Stradivarius. Who does he want to win? Who does he want to lose? Give the good stuff here. But all in all, it was how can he move the line with the least amount of money spent? Yep. Because it's like buying half points effectively, right? Mm -hmm. And if he was able to bet it at minus two and a half, get it to four, and then bet it back five times as much at four. And if he got it to th that win was enough to make it profitable, that exchange from two and a half to four and all the betting. And if the middle is positive EV, well, it has to be good, right? It, was he manipulating anyone? Well, yeah, he'd be manipulating the guys that were his outs. But I think it was understood. You got to assume that all these games, you're going to get more winners and losers. But he, they knew they might get a false play. It didn't matter. All these guys were on a free roll, so they're, it's, they're not putting their own money up. They're just getting a, per, a percentage of the win. So who are they to speak to? Billy makes all the calls there. See, now that's interesting. I actually understood it to be otherwise. I understood it to be that let's say you were at the the top level, right below Billy, right. Mm -hmm. And your job was to wrangle accounts, right? Mm -hmm. You would go to AJ and you say, AJ, I'm getting it directly from Billy. You're going to get it directly from me. And I need 5,000 or yeah, 5,000 on every pick I give you. We're betting it with you effectively. You can take this pick and go bet whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And thus effectively it was, they were guaranteeing someone would book them for that amount, they don't have to deal with anything else. Maybe AJ goes and spreads it around town. Maybe mm -hmm. AJ, but you wouldn't be effective with that because the lines are all moving at once. That's different than saying you you bet this for me and we're going to give you ten percent of the win. Well, that was just what was, and maybe this is further down the totem pole what Koenig described in the Sharp Money, mm -hmm. where he was just saying he was on a twenty percent aggregate free roll or something like that. On the money, but on everything you won for the year. So if you won a million, you would get a, if it was fifteen percent, he'd get one hundred fifty thousand. So Cohen, uh, how do you say his name? Koenig? Koenig. Yeah, he was a no at the time. He was writing things for Esquire, like mm -hmm. so. He was a face in a way. So Billy probably made, had a different deal with someone right. like that than he would with you know, let's say a, a a guy who's in the gambling business. No doubt. Yeah. So listen, if Billy's genius was not handicapping, isn't handicapping by his own admission, his genius was how to set an organization up that could do this. But the thing I always enjoyed the most was the bookies trying to use Billy to set their numbers. He found a way to reverse it on him, which I love. No doubt. But to wrap it up, if you've got a, you know, if you somehow have an oversized influence, the question to me of the ethics, I guess, would be, is the influence something that you are promoting, meaning you're, you're attempting to gain it, or people trying to steal from you? Because let's say that we were um, writing our picks up on the, 
the wall here, right? And someone had binoculars and they were getting the picks and they were betting them and the lines were moving early. Well, would it be wrong for us to go write up a fake pick up there? No. No. Right? But if we were on this show giving picks we didn't like so the line would move, that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of, let's just say this. I think it's something that hasn't really been put under the microscope. And my guess is when it is, we're going to see that there's been some bad actors out there. I don't know exactly who, but I'll tell you this, as Lisa Simpson would say, you never go broke underestimating the greed of people. Mm. And in general, I think in this industry, especially, yeah, Everything's not what it seems. I'll say it like that. Would you agree with that, Fez? I Just would. Broadly? I would. How about you, AJ? Sounds right. Last game. UCLA, NC, Asheville. It opened up. UCLA favored by 18. 18. What do you got? I, I'll lean heavily, and it'll probably be a small play on UNC Asheville plus 18 here. So borderline like. Yeah. UCLA is just not the team they've been most of the season. Jalen Clark blowing out his Achilles right before the conference tournament is a much bigger deal than people have made it out to be. He is the third leading scorer on that team, second in rebounding, but he's by far their best defensive player. Uh, and they're a team who ranks number one in defensive efficiency. So it, having him off the floor is a big loss. Uh, this Asheville team has two guys who are legit. Tyjon Jones, who's shooting 46% from three this year, and Drew Pember, who's a Tennessee down transfer, not only the, the Big South player of the year, but also the defensive player of the year. And the two spots where UCLA is banged up right now, Adem Bona, who's their, their big, missed the, the game against Arizona. He's questionable for this game, although I, I kind of expect him to play limited minutes. Uh, but that's the two guys who would be defending the two great players that UNC Asheville has. Um, I, I just feel like UCLA doesn't shoot three-pointers. They don't attack the rim. It's a really old-school, mid-range offense. And if their defense isn't elite, I think they may let a team like this hang around with them. But here's the thing, AJ. And explain it to me. Injuries are publicly known, right? Sure. Because I always say the thing, I'm betting against the Patriots. Why? Well, Brady's out. Like, okay, you got inside. In- yeah. So why is Asheville a good pick if everyone knows UCLA's lost this player? So UCLA, two years ago, they were in the championship game, the title game, mm-hmm. lost it. But they had the star players on that team, the Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, those guys are still on this team. All right, so their brand went through the roof yep. because of that run? Jalen Clark was a freshman on that team who played three minutes in the national championship game. He was a re- low-level reserve player. So the thing that drove UCLA's brand nationally, not in L.A., but nationally, was that run. This player that got hurt is, was not part of that run, thus he's undervalued. Yes. And his absence is thus not properly accounted Correct. for. Correct. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And you know what? The way we bet this is going to make a lot of sense, too. This is the last game of the night, 7.05 p.m., which means I want to make a bold prediction here. Whatever, the, What's the sharpest book you'd say in the world? Oh, I'd say it's still Bookmaker, but I think uh, Circa's right there. That's where AJ pounds against Circa. So whatever <laughs> Bookmaker and Circa are dealing on this game, I don't care if they close 17.5 or 19, all right? Uh-huh. Whatever they close at, you're going to get – not just a half point better. I think you might get a full point better 
on the game and the second half at the places like Treasure Island, Station, Win, Bodog, all the recreational places. Circus at 18, uh, uh, bookmakers at 17 and a half. Okay, so I mean, if anything, that shows there's the, the that sharp lean, right? So, so leave some money back and but, bet but this you right said before about, post. So you said something about second half. I heard you say. So I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, so I'm gonna bet a unit. I'm, I'm gonna bet a unit right before the game tips off on the and, dog. And, and, on the dog, and then at halftime, I'm gonna bet another unit at again what I expect to be a fully rogue number at these Vegas uh, books that cater to recreational bettors because the public's money, this is the bailout game. Regardless, if all the favorites mm. are covering, they're going to bet the favorites. If all the favorites are doing lousy, they're going to load up for one last hurrah on with the UCLA. Favorites, yeah. On the favorites. One last, yeah. one last get back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So no matter what, they're going to be all over the favorites. And they're going to yeah. bet UCLA. If UCLA's down at half, they're going to bet, not covering at half, they're going to bet UCLA. And if UCLA's killing them at half, they're going to bet Mott's and more you, of the same. You already know that UCLA is going to be well represented here in Vegas. Exactly because right. People might LA be coming contingent. here for the whole week because they're anticipating UCLA getting to Vegas for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So they're going to be in town all week. Strong stuff. Um, so let's do a recap quickly here. We just talked about the games not that long ago that we have. Let's think about what are or what is our four or are our four uh, upset special. So we know Furman is potentially always one. And let's think about this a second. Number two, and these are going to be teams that are underdogs that have a chance to win for the brackets. AJ, what would you say? Other so uh, Fez likes Auburn, but Auburn is a favorite. Um, what is, else is Auburn? Auburn's pick them. In, in the Midwest, there will be a good one tomorrow. Yeah, but we need four today and four tomorrow. Oh, uh, we, the theory is eight out of thirty. Oh, I, I like Penn State. All right, so you like in the in the Midwest. All right, now Fez, you disagree with that, don't you? Uh pretty indifferent. Yeah. Okay. So we got two. I, I don't like. I disagree with it. But you you like know what? I disagree with it. The Penn State, the four games in a row, the fatigue that they're carrying. I don't like that. Okay. So and I hate the Big Ten. And maybe four is too many. What about Boise? I, I like Boise. All, I like. I like Boise. Yep. Let's go with Boise. Now that gives us two. Uh, Oral Roberts was an interesting one. Yeah, now that, listen, if you like a dog, to me, this would be a good high variance if you were playing against a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fading Duke, okay. yep. And I mean, think about the general office pool. If you've got 100 people, including females in your office pool who don't care a lick about college basketball, Duke is a name that they recognize. Mm-hmm. It's an auto fill. Mm-hmm. And so we got one more. Maybe, let's be candid, maybe force too ambitious because there's not that many. West Virginia's favored, but we, uh, you like West Virginia, right? That, that was the one you liked, West Virginia. My, yeah, I, yeah, I like West Virginia. I, I, think, I think what we should probably do is go with six in the whole thing. So three here is good. I so think. seven, three, nine, Furman, yeah. seven, six, five, Northwestern, seven, eight, one, Oral Roberts. No, we don't want Northwestern. Oh, we want the opposite. Of yeah, Boise. Boise. State. Yeah. Hey, I got. That's why I get. That's why I always give the rotation number because I got the rotation <laughs> number correct. I mean, seven six five. Well, yeah, if I got Northwestern plus one and a half, I'd be fine with that. But Boise plus one and a half. Yes. You can get Boise plus two right now. By the way, beautiful. There's not. There's not many chances for Northwestern alums to enjoy their athletics. So let's give the them, second tournament, NCAA tournament in their history. I, I do want you would expect. I do want to say when Northwestern is good and we finish second in the Big Ten, the Big Ten stinks because Northwestern's ceiling, we are never a good team. We're back tomorrow. So this is out, as you know, at this point, Tuesday morning. 
Wednesday morning, we'll get the Friday games. And including in that, we'll be a little quicker through because we got a rhythm now. We're going to give you a bet against the odds, the current futures on each of the regions. And AJ is going to give us a 1-4 potential matchup he likes, potentially, and a 1-8 or 9 and a 3-2. Because those are the, the points of real... Uh, leverage in the tournament. Whoever wins that one four dictates a lot. Yep. You might have that that four winner go all the way to the finals. Yep. And you got a surprise team winning. Uh, we can't say, but you got a surprise team you like to win it. Uh I don't think so. Oh at least you have in the finals. Uh, yeah. 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 That that's a shocker. Oh, so you're going Gonzaga again? No. You had the Zags the last four years, haven't you? Uh t- Two of the last three. You know what's funny? If there's any year they, they I bet that's why I'm taking them. <laughs> I think they're gonna run this year. I'll be so pissed. All right, Fez, we're not gonna do your out until the last one for the week because we're doubling up this week. Makes sense. Talk. To, it, stay strong. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow.